Play that fucking track. Play that fucking track. Oh, there it is. Limbiscuit. DMX. What? Red Man. That's right, y'all. Method Man. We just keep on rolling, baby. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Now move in. Now move out. Hands up and hands down. Back up. Back up. Tell me what you're going to do now. Breathe in. Now breathe out. Hands up or hands down? They can't make up their mind. Back up. Back up. Tell me what you're going to do now. Come on. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Ah! Keep rolling, 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 rolling. What? Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Ah! Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Bracket. Fred Durst. Co uh, colon. That's, uh... Bracket. This is Fred Durst. Now I know y'all be loving this shit right here. L-I-M-P Bizkit is right here. People in the house, put them hands in the air. Because if you don't care, guess what? I We don't care. Yeah! <laughs> See, I ain't giving a fuck. Quit pressing your luck. Untouchable. I'm branded unfuckable. I don't know why. So keep me in this well, cage. Well, he wears a backwards red hat <laughs> and an oversized parka in the middle of L.A. <laughs> so he's an idiot. We've established this. That's good. We're done. <laughs> so keep me in this cage until you run that mouth. Then I'm going to have the plague and break the fuck out. I think Paul's about to, to break your phone out. I and, just, just stop it. And then we'll just see who's stop. left after one round with X. And what am I bringing next? Just know it's red and meth. So where the fuck you at, punk? Shut the fuck up. And back the fuck up while we fuck this track up! <laughs> Are you ready? For the power trip! There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I, the vast majority of what passes for lyrics in music cracks me up. Oh, that song gets so much better! Check my dangerous slang oh, atrocious. God, when I let these Stop. nuts hang. <laughs> Stop! I'm stopping. Please. For the love of all that's good and holy that's left oh, in this world, please stop. Smell up the bad. Stop! Like Craig no. Paw was in it. What no. the fuck does that mean? Look it up. No. Who's Craig Paw? Can, can you please? I crack them all to Guinness. Please stop. Please stop. Please stop. It's not going to stop. This is the end. Oh, no, no. It's done. Don't worry. Wait. What? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good DMX. <laughs> All right, seriously. Stop it. No, I'll play the, the, the opening song. Oh, God. All right, hello. Hey guys, <laughs> welcome back. That opening was courtesy of Fred Durst, uh, Limp Biscuit. Yeah, <laughs> I just gotta say you're no Jon Snow from BBC. No, I'm not British. This this was uh, oh, man. Th that was an executive decision by Andy you to damn right. open with that. It was none of none of <laughs> us had anything to do with that. Nope, that's that's my new recurring segment: dramatic readings of Limp Biscuit songs uh, because they're so funny. They're so funny, boys. I just, I can't. You know you listened to Limp Bizkit as a kid. No, yeah. I never did. Yes, you did. First nookie, did. I did it all for the nookie. Nope. No, just one of those days. <clears throat> it's all about the he's and he's and And now we're demonetized. 
Oh no, that's why I changed <laughs> it because yeah. I sound so oh, much like Fred fucking does. That's fine. There's a strike. It was too close to the real thing. Too, we look like nipples. I found that out. We look like nips. Uh, <laughs> I look do, like nips. You do. <laughs> maybe they thought you two looked like dicks. That's why they, they banned that thumbnail. Yeah, maybe. Two dicks and a nip. <laughs> I found a new name for the channel. Two dicks and a nip. <laughs> yeah, so that's... Good. This is going great. Yeah, this is going good. This, yeah, this, this, welcome derailing. back to Power Triple. How's, how's everything going? How's, how's, uh, it was good till you started reading with yeah, biscuit. Yeah, basically. How's tricks? Yeah. Wow, this couldn't have sounded more like our grandparents. How's tricks? You never heard that saying? No. No, you never heard that. That's... No. How's I, tricks? I like, how's it going? I haven't. I, had, I, have, I have one question. Yeah. English motherfucker, yeah, you I, speak it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had. I haven't had tricks today. No. Oh my god. I haven't had tricks in a long, long time. So, okay. When you had tricks as a kid, we're talking about the cereal now. <laughs> are tricks? we? We are talking about the tricks. Yes, yes. Do you, do you? Are you up? Now, you're not upset, but now they went to the puffs where everything's just a uniform ball, right? They're just tricks balls. They're not the, sh the fruit shapes. Then it's just fruity kicks. Basically. Yeah. But now they have different flavors of tricks. Okay. Kind of like how all our cereals growing up now have different flavors. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a funny thing that I read once that said, um, is the reason tricks don't look like fruit anymore is because tricks are for kids. No. Oh, that's really funny. No, because it's hilarious. No, that's yeah. the kids are going to see them as the as the balls though. Yeah. Too. It's not just adults who cannot see them as fruit anymore <laughs> because they're adults. <laughs> that's so stupid. Yeah, that that's is just stupid. one of those things that made me giggle. It's like stupid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no tricks. no different than birds being a product of the government. <laughs> For God's sakes, <laughs> now the government has changed our tricks. All our poor birds, they, now they're changing tricks. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know. Uh, no, clearly <clears throat> tricks are a Mandela effect. That's true. Oh, yeah. They were never fruit. Yeah. Yes, they were. Just like there was never M&Ms that were all just the brown M&Ms. Even though I distinctly remember, they at one point, they didn't have a lot of the colors. There were colors. They didn't have all those colors in the, in the M&M's bags. Originally, it was brown, yellow, red, I think. Yeah. Then they added green, and then they added blue later. I think Most people remember them as all the colors. Oh. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah, I, yeah, no, I don't remember that at all. But then again, we didn't really have a lot of M&M's. I remember it was a, a, well, when my parents owned a liquor store, we oh, saw yeah, candy, too. Oh, yeah, you used too. to see all the, yeah, you yeah. used to see all that stuff. Yeah. So, like, I remember when, like, Mrs. Fields cookies, like, when they started selling those, or not Mrs. Fields, Famous Amos. So, in 95, the tan M&Ms became blue. Yeah, I remember the tan, oh. the tan M&Ms. And the tan had replaced violet back in 1949. Oh, wow. Oh, my God, okay. there's violet. So, in 41, it, they were introduced, they were, oh, no, they were red, yellow, green, brown, orange, violet. Really? Yeah. So yeah. Oh, wow. So it's oh, always yeah. been. So it's always been the same colors. Sort of, I guess. Well, except I suppose marketing wise, it's always been brown, red, yellow. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's just one of those things I always find funny. It's just things. I don't know. So so back then, was it Mrs. Fields or was it Miss Fields? Well, before she got married. Yeah. Before she oh got married. My God. Yeah. What married off there? the famous Amos. Well, I mean. She couldn't have been Mrs. Fields the entire time. <laughs> Could have been an arranged marriage. She had to start somewhere. <laughs> Miss Fields, Baby Fields. Although maybe it wasn't even Miss Fields then. If, if, if she Fields. took, if she took a like a married name, a, a different last name. Is that even a national thing, Mrs. Fields cookies, or is that? I don't, I don't know. know. I actually, I'm, I'm not sure. I I want to say it is, hmm. but 
I'm not 100 percent sure. Nobody knows. We've really derailed this conversation. Yeah, I don't know where that went. Anyway, uh, That's what we get for letting Andy do the other? <laughs> yep, for sure. <laughs> I scrambled your brains up. Uh, so yes, yeah, so we're gonna be talking about. Uh, we read. The, we're gonna talk about a few things today. We are. But the biggest thing is going to be the second issue of Last Ronin came out a, a little while ago. Uh, a few weeks, I think. Right? I think it's a been two, weeks, a month, two or maybe. Week, yeah, two or three weeks. Yeah, it's yeah. been a while. So we're gonna talk about that, but we're gonna talk about it at the end of the podcast, so we can avoid spoilers and shit again for you people who do want to read the comic. Um. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about a couple other things in the meantime. So I saw an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Right, that was posed to me. Well, not me specifically, but I, I just happened to see an interesting question that made me think, and it, I wanted to get your guys' input on this. If you could play one game console for the rest of your life, or you have to, like this, you can only pick one, what would it be? Now, mind you... I can't you, do my smart-ass answer. You cannot. You cannot pick PS2 and then have also the PS1 library. You uh, can't I, pick GameCube and no, have smart ass Game Boy, answer, GameCube, and... and my smart-ass answer was going to be a computer, and then I have them all. Computer is not a gaming <laughs> system. We will, well, technically you. it is, but no, no computer. It can only be the console, and that's that's their library. Mm-hmm. So what? Uh, this excludes all digital. So only things that were released physically, and and the console. What what would be your choice? I think ultimately, see, it would it would come down to me to the Super Nintendo or the PlayStation One. Mm, and I like I I those are the ones that I have the the most sentimentality for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I grew up playing a lot of Super Nintendo, um, and when I first got a PlayStation One, then that kind of kind of took over all of the memories from the Super Nintendo. But I think honestly, if I had only one, could never play another system ever again. And it could only be this one. It would be Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo. It would be Super Nintendo. There's a lot of gems on the system. There's yeah. still a lot of gems that I still haven't even discovered yet. Mm. Um, and so I think, honestly, it's got a vast library. It's got such classics on it. Um, and I think it was a good balance between great storytelling and better graphics than the Nintendo. Yeah, But yeah. it was like... It was right in the middle, like it kind of blended the story lines of like PlayStation games and storytelling of like the PlayStation era, mm-hmm. but better <clears throat> graphics than the Nintendo era. So, yeah. it's, so it's like right in that middle. It's it's it was really well done. Yeah, in all directions. Uh, you know, we'll get those people there like, oh, I thought you'd pick Nintendo. <laughs> It's like no, no, I would not. Yes, there are some gems, and yeah. some of my favorite games of all time are on the Nintendo, but. Unfortunately, there's a lot of crap on the Nintendo as well, too. I will say, surprise, like, the NES was all my formative years for, yeah. for gaming, admittedly. So it's like, yes, while the Nintendo, well, the NES itself has the treasure trove of just so many good games, yeah. you're right, there's a glut of a lot of bad games, too. So mm-hmm. it's like, I, I think I would be hard-pressed to play the maybe, what, 30 to 40 good games well and you really think well no there's there's a lot more than that i would say i would say once you would play over and over oh i would say about 30 to 40 no i would say that nintendo wise there's probably at least a good 
100 games. I would say there's 100 games that you would play. What? He, now he's bullshit. Now you're bullshit. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm dead serious. I think that, and, and I think that you're just not. You can't even think of 100 games you've liked on the channel so far. That's because we haven't played all 678 of them. But we played 200 something. Yeah, well, guess what? I've only liked about a good, like, maybe 15. a third, <laughs> a third or a, a fourth of that. Yeah, that's true. Even if I liked only a fourth of that, that's 50 games already. Yeah. So 30 to 40, yeah, no, stop. Now you're, you're trying to criticize me, and I see where it's Season. going, but it's not going to work. <laughs> it's not working. Not going to work. But you have a yeah. lot of classic yeah. series that started off on the Nintendo, or that were created on the Nintendo, like yep. you had Final Castlevania, Fantasy. Final Fantasy, um, Metroid, Mario, Zelda, a lot of different iconic mm -hmm. series. Almost every single one of them got a remake or a reimagining on the Super Nintendo or had sequels that were told on the Super Nintendo that were honestly better than the originals. I can see that. So, I mean, I honestly think that the trade-off, you're not really losing a whole lot by going with the Super Nintendo versus the, the Nintendo. See, you know, actually one quandary I have with this, with this question that I didn't think of, is would this apply to games that were technically not released for us so like you think the nintendo how many games for the nes weren't released here like technically final fantasy 2 and 3 were released here on or were released in japan on the nes but not here we got four and six on the super nintendo so it's like you i suppose you could stretch the bounds of this no, I wouldn't but, because we're we're American gamers. We are so limited strictly American. We're limited to releases. only the American titles that we had access to. Okay. Okay. So I yeah I don't think I don't think you should dive into the weeds of like imports and I mean mm -hmm. granted mm -hmm. Goonies one came out on on the Nintendo in Japan but yeah, we didn't yeah. get it here so I mean yeah okay. you can't Super Nintendo that's a good pick mm -hmm. that's a good pick because you're right it was just uh, just before that ugly era of graphics with the PlayStation and well it was before it's, shit, it, a but, lot yeah. of the stuff was still 2D because yeah. they were still doing uh, everything was 2D um, but they so dabble with that missed, mode 7 to make it yes that, that but you thing. but you missed that that awkward like first steps between like trying to get into 3D mm -hmm. and still uh, being stuck in the 2D world yeah um, so I think honestly it really was like the mm -hmm. best the best step up yep. farther but it's there's so many good games oh Paul's wrong <laughs> that's fine <laughs> well what's your pick Kevin not the best step up the best step up was between PS1 and PS2 you think so yeah graphic wise that was the best jump Oh no 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 no! What I'm saying though is that I think it was a really good. You still like. Oh, you're just talking in general. Step in general, up. Okay. A, a general. Not step a. Up, not, okay. Oh god, no, 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 no. PS1 to PS2. Pro I agree with you. Okay. I think that. Sorry, I, the, the way I, I just... think graphically speaking, the the step up from PS1 to PS2 is the most notable and the one that probably is is <clears throat> the most underrated of yeah. all step-ups. I would say so. Oh, yeah. Because I know a lot of people even now are complaining about how PS4 to PS5 really isn't it's, that it's big of a really not the same. And, and PS2 to PS3 is really not as big a step as people think. It's just that... Not really. It's not just really. You, you really... It was more so in the way that TVs displayed graphics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was 1080 TVs versus whatever it was, 720s before. Yeah, I didn't say PS2, I think... It, it, that's probably seven. Because I mean, you look at some of those. I don't those, even know if it was that. You look at some of those graphics on like, games like Silent Hill Two. 
oh, and Rule yeah. of Rose, they look amazing. And mm-hmm. games that you could probably re-release on the PlayStation 3, and the graphics would look just as good mm-hmm. on those new systems as it did on the old system. Well, what did S-Video... Because with S-Video... PS2 was 480i and 480p. Even yeah. with the S-Video connection? Yup. Wow. Because I know you could play it without the S-Video, and that made a huge difference, actually. Mm-hmm. The, the S-Video connector. Yeah, so I mean, I think honestly the step up from PS2 to PS3 was mainly just because of the fact that TVs had really kind of gotten better better outputs and, and better graphics. I yeah, mean, it, yeah. was, it was a better display. It wasn't necessarily the game itself that was, that right, was right. better. So then what was PS3 then? Because that wasn't necessarily... 720. That was 720 and, and 1080, I think. Yeah. Okay. So I would say select 1080, because not Probably. a lot. Probably. Not, not a lot. I know well, it's like, more, it's more like, PS3 was more it's, 720. It's like saying, like, current, like, uh, the, the PS4 and stuff were 4K. Yeah, on a technicality by, like, upscaling or sampling or checkerboard and stuff like that. Yeah, they were 4K, but they're not real 4K. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point, actually. So, anyway, Kevin, what was your pick? Um, see, I'm... You and I are in that weird area. Because Paul's Paul's not much RPG guy, but his... I mean, he does have very good points, and his, his points are very valid. But we look at it more from the, I would say, the RPG Not aspect. just that. Anything that's on Super Nintendo... Like, okay, so for me, I, I'm torn between PS2 or, honestly, PS4 era. Really, that recent? Yeah. Oh, I can see that. There's because there's a lot of good games that are like the more recent mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but like PS2 had like if you wanted racing games, there were great racing games. If you wanted good sports games, there were good sports games. If you wanted RPGs, there were a ton of RPGs on PS2. Mm-hmm. I know um, Vanderhoff and I had a discussion about that once. Of how most people think like the golden age of RPGs is PS1 is, usually uh, or Super, uh, Super Nintendo. Nintendo. Mm-hmm. It's Super but Nintendo, it's but no, I if you think, think about so. it, PS1 and PS2 era are kind of almost tied for like that's when RPGs PS, really fucking mm-hmm. launched. PS1 yeah. would tie the Super Nintendo. PS2 surpasses it. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um. I think, yeah, PS1 might have some of the more iconic... Like, Super Nintendo PS1 have some of the more iconic ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy 3. Final Fantasy 7. Then, then you have Final Fantasy 7, Final Fantasy, like, 8, 9. Yeah. Um, but then, like, PS2, RPGs just took the next best step. Like, yeah. the, the presentation was able to actually do what they wanted to do. Yeah, you could pull off what the vision was. Yeah. As opposed to, like, graphic limitations. And then, like... You wanted, like, action games, they have Zelda-style games. Mm-hmm. They have hack-and-slash, like, the, the Musos, so the Samurai Warriors and Dynasty Warriors games. They got racing, sports, puzzle games, like, so, like, PS2, if you have, like, a certain particular want of gaming, there's something there. Yeah, PS2 is a catch-all. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, PS4, like, it's kind of the same. Yeah, there's... Yeah, there's less RPGs now, especially like turn-based ones, if that's sort of your thing. Yeah. But the growth in every other way, like there are amazing like um, superhero games and stuff like that, where that style, like the bigger open world games that you couldn't really quite do back on PS2 and stuff, Mm -hmm. but you could do it on the more recent hardware without it, you know, being crap. (laughs) So I don't know. I, I'm leaning more towards PS2. Yeah. Just because there's there is 
I would say there is a lot more there than there is on the the modern stuff, but yeah, I mean, I, and it goes to show you, like, because I'm, I'm torn between PS1, and PS2. As much as I love the Genesis and, and Super Nintendo's, you know, got a special place too. And mm-hmm. Nintendo, like, PlayStation One and Two, were like, like that was. That was it. Like that was the crux. To be honest, right there. That, I, that and I'm still PS1, discovering games that I love on. I think PS One mm-hmm. is is that turning point where, like, yeah, Super Nintendo and stuff. Like there were most people still on the outside were oh you know, video games are for kids. Video games are for kids. Uh, yeah. PS One was that first like real jump where it's like. It's not just for kids. It's not for yeah. kids. You get the horror games. You get like stuff like Metal Gear Solid. Well, Metal, it's yeah. it's a heavy, heavy story. It's, Metal Gear Solid. I actually just recently played through it again. Really? And, yeah. Wow. And I, I do not give that game the credit that it, it gets because that was, that was a cinematic display oh, yeah. that was almost well, more and, of an interactive movie and they didn't pull any punches as far as like toning down the story yeah no it is a very was... deep story yeah. like yeah okay kojima had like he he's got a bit of a weird side mm-hmm. in his storytelling and stuff but his stories are like they're they're deep they'll make mm-hmm. you think about stuff oh yeah oh definitely which as much as we criticize the later solid games yeah, they're or, very good. Like or even stuff like Death Stranding. Yeah, and, like he, to me, it seemed like he tried. He went more artsy with the later games, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like, and they they got really really weird because of it. Like, but I think it's because he wasn't held back by technology anymore. Like that one scene, I I don't remember which Metal Gear Solid it was. The one where you're going down the river. Two. And it, no, no it was a three. That's Snake Eater. That's after you, you're you fighting the... The guy who you're, like, hallucinating or something. Yeah. And, like, as... Everyone takes, you've killed shows up in the river. Floats down the river. The oh. bodies float down the river. So if you kill nobody, nobody comes down the river. Oh. It's just really, like... It's one of those things that's really fucking cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's nice. It, it kind mm-hmm. of reminds you of, like, the Psychomantis stuff or... Yeah. Um, uh, the stuff from Metal Gear Solid Two, where I will Campbell. say, yeah, I, I will say that segment yeah. is a little boring, a little bit, because yeah. it's a little longer than it should be. But yeah, another scene that that really got me with that kind of sh- uh, that one scene in um, is it Arkham Asylum where you fight Scarecrow? Yeah, that was some cool shit. Oh yeah. That where was probably my in, favorite part of that game. Where you go into the morgue, there's only one yeah. way out, and you go out the door, and then you're in that same morgue. general area. Yeah, yeah, because that that scene played out exactly the way that the game and like the game developers probably intended. Like you to go what for the fuck? my reaction, yeah. like like wait a minute, I think I just went out the wrong door, or and then slowly thinking, wait a minute, when there it was glitches only one and door. does the opening cinematic again, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're like, wait, did the game just fuck up? Yeah. Like that, all, the whole Scarecrow segment was fucking oh, incredible. Oh, it was, it was, in, yeah, it was incredible. But you're right, like yeah. Metal Gear Solid, I don't, I mean, it does, but at the same time, it's still like well, underrated in my opinion, especially and, the GameCube. And type, I think, the GameCube yeah, version. yeah, the, the twin. But that that version was also very different from mm-hmm. the PS1 right, right. game. So, but I think that, and and why my, why I'm still torn between P, uh, PS1 and Super Nintendo. See, I love a lot of the iconic titles on mm. the Super Nintendo, and there's so much fun to be had. But I think PlayStation One had a lot more ex like they they explored a lot more series ideas mm-hmm. where you had the games like Metal Gear Solid, which told us like the story was first and foremost, and gameplay was actually more of like a a second afterthought. Yeah. Um, 
you had survival horror that started yeah. on the PlayStation. Yeah, Resident I mean, Evil. Granted, maybe maybe it started on the horror. Nintendo, but only in Japan because yeah. they didn't give us right. that. They didn't give us that on the Super Nintendo, like, like First Fear. Clock Tower. Yeah, exactly. They didn't. Yeah, that's First Fear. Oh, so yeah, yeah. they didn't give us that. It's <clears throat> our first experience into it was on the PlayStation with Resident Evil. I mean, I suppose depending on how loose you want to go with the term survival horror. Uh, it's uh, no, Sweet no. Home. Well, no, Sweet Home was Japan like, too, but right. technically, Friday the Thirteenth. No or, stuff like Zombies Ate My Neighbors. You're item managing. You are still limited I, in your. Never, I've never considered that a survival horror. Just I know, but too, like that's too why cutesy. That, that's why I said it depends on how much yeah, you want to blur. I, I mean, don't they kind of isn't haunted house for the atari kind of considered survival they horror? consider it now survival horror but it's i don't think so no i honestly i would not consider that <laughs> what what we know as survival horror today. right okay but i mean you had that you right. had the um you had the metroidvania that really kind of took off with symphony castlevania of symphony of the night Oof. um i mean there's so there many are really good ones on ps2 though but uh, RPGs really came into their own with, with Final Fantasy VII. And so, I mean, there was so many landmark titles for that system as well, too, where they really explored a lot more of the genres and a lot more I of don't know. That's a tough what choice. basically led to the yeah. game styles of PlayStation 2 and on. Yeah, yeah you're right. But PS2, I even with like the Shin Megami games, sorry, they, Nocturne, Digital they dwarf Devil. what... Sorry, what Final Fantasy was doing on PS1. Right. Yeah. They are a much better told story, usually. They're harder, so a lot of people don't get into them because of that. Especially but there's also much bigger variety in them. Look at Nocturne versus Digital Devil. Look Both at, games are hard as shit. Then look at those compared to... Uh, what's the one where you play as uh, the police? The, the cop? The oh, Ryoden uh, or whatever? Uh, uh, Strange Journey. No. The, the cop. Yeah. Strange Journey was the that was, that the was 3DS one. Yeah. Yeah, it was something or the, the you, DS one, I'm uh, sorry. Plays the cop. Oh, um something Raidu versus Swiss yeah. Army. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know which ones you're talking about. There was Double two of them. Okay, it's Devil Summoner. Yeah, oh. Devil Summoner. Hmm. Cuz like even those, they like yeah, like core gameplay, yeah, you're always RPGs play like RPGs. There's right. no getting away with that. But like the style of game between each of those is so vastly different mm -hmm. than, like, Final Fantasy VII to Final Fantasy VIII. While, yeah, it's got a slight different aesthetic, it's still Final Fantasy. Right. So. But see, that's... Yeah, I didn't even think about that, too. Like, you mentioned Symphony of the Night, and... Because... And, God, that's a tough choice. I'm almost leaning more towards PS1, I think. I mean, you had Wild Arms, Brigandine, uh, Valkyrie Profile. So, I mean, you had a lot yeah. of landmark... Uh, uh, Sakoden, you had a lot of landmark RPGs. You had Resident Evil. You had Silent Hill. So, I mean, you had the landmarks the Clock of... Clock Tower. At Clock Tower, you had the landmarks of Survival Horror. No, Fatal Frame was PS2. Yeah, yeah. That was PS2. Yeah, you had, you a, had lot. a lot of like fighting games that really defined the genre in that era. You had X-Men versus Street Fighter. You had uh, uh, even the Marvel vs. Capcom 1 came yeah. out on the PlayStation. So, I mean, but you started off the whole Capcom versus series on the PlayStation 1. So, I mean, and then you balance it out with, with fun games that were so unique, like Parappa the Rapper mm -hmm. or Oddworld. Which was such an oddball Odd game, yeah. but it was so clever. I loved Oddworld yeah. as a kid. 
It was, there was something just the graphics of Oddworld I remember mm-hmm. blew me away as a child like that that shit looked so incredible mm-hmm. even though the game was hard as shit yeah it and was. I was not good at it yeah. but the game was just it was beautiful mm-hmm. even Oddworld two to a lesser degree because yep. that guy, the game got kind of weird but yeah that's oof so I mean there's there's that's a tough. lot of there's a lot of landmark games on that uh, on that system I think I'm gonna end up having to go PS one. Because I would have Saga Frontier since yes, the night. Would. I would have. Oh, even Saga uh, even, Frontier Two. I mean, yeah, Saga want. Frontier that Two. Uh, both Vandal Hearts games. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's a really tough choice. Like, that's yeah, really it, it choice. is tough, but I, I think overall for the rest of my life, I think I would end up having to go PS One. Damn! Wow, I, Damn. I actually convinced him. Well, I wow. was PS Two, but I think I have more memories and 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 enjoyment just enjoyment yeah. out of ps1 era until you actually just, start playing because you were still like oh they're ugly no because <laughs> you were still exploring i mean it's, yeah. yeah you were seeing things for the first time when i remember when i jumped from super nintendo to playstation mm-hmm. i thought oh my god graphics can't get better than this watching the opening cinema from soul blade i'm oh, just like god i'm just like oh my god is this like this is a real game? Like, mm-hmm. holy cow. Well, we went from, we went Genesis to Saturn. Mm. So, like, even that jump was fucking crazy. Oh, yeah, like, sure. we, our, our first game for the Saturn was Knights, because that was the pack-in. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it was, it blew you away, mm-hmm. you know? Then we had Dark Savior and, and Guardian Heroes and shit like that. So mm-hmm. it's like, damn. That's yeah. good. That's a good one. Hmm. So there we go. That's what we got. Super Nintendo man over here, PS2 man, PS1. I wonder what other people would say. Well, like, it depends. I, I, my guess is it's going to depend on your your age range. That and I think it's honestly nostalgia is going to play a bigger factor into your decision right. than just what's on the system. Itself. You don't See, think the I discovery didn't... like like my niece? She's uh, I don't really call how old she is right now. Fifteen, fifteen or sixteen, fourteen, fifteen. I don't remember how old she is, but. Looking at it from her perspective, is she would discover all these games and and mm-hmm. just kind of see where things came from. I wonder if she would have the attention span to really kind of play like uh, Symphony of the Night or something. You know what I Symphony mean? Symphony of the Night, you probably because it's, it's, it's as fast as you heavy. you want to go. Yeah, and she's she's pretty into RPGs, but mm. well, sort of, I guess, because some of them elude her. Like I remember I got her Tales of Vesperia one year, and she, I don't think she played it much. <laughs> Not quite that heavy, I guess. Nah, I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm curious what uh, other people would pick. So there you go. Uh, leave a comment on, on on YouTube or or whatever and say what your favorite system would be. Yeah, I... See, and when I was doing my decision, I tried to not let nostalgia yeah. blind me towards what I'd pick. Because mm-hmm. even, like, PS3 was huge for me. Because, like, I, to be honest... If you take nostalgia out of things, most people, if you go back and objectively look at stuff, it's not as good as you remember. Period. Mm. I don't care what people say. Nostalgia has a way of blinding you to the way things really are. Like, uh, your big hang-up PS1 has always been fucking ugly. Always. Depends on the game. The vast majority, especially of the early titles, are fucking ugly. Yeah. Like, yeah, the second hand, like, the, towards the end, like... Around what when Final Fantasy eight nine stuff like that started coming out, mm-hmm. the graphics were definitely better, but they're still ugly, blocky games. Or the yeah. worst case, they're tank controls. 
Yeah, for for survival horror and and, and stuff like, like that. Yeah. It's just like See, I like the tank controls. I know you do. Yeah, it's because you're a freaking weird mask. Good old reliable. <laughs> Why anybody thought that was a good idea? Tank controls. Because it was meant to yeah, manipulate. It's the, yeah, it's it's meant it, to it's consistency. Always be controlling, no matter which way they made the camera look. But it didn't work out the way it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, it's one of those things where, yeah, if you take out nostalgia and stuff like that... I, oh, no, I know those games are ugly. That's mm-hmm. why, like, N64, as much as I do have nostalgia for it, that oh, no, is it, a it's horribly ugly, ugly system. It's an ugly system. Yeah, that's even, why, even early, yeah, like you said, like yeah, Tomb Raider, because, fucking hideous. Yeah, but that's why, well, Tomb Raider 2 actually looked really good, but Tomb Raider 1, yeah, looked it, absolutely bad. But, Metal Gear Solid, even. Like, no, the see, Metal Gear Solid fucking horrid. Yeah, but Metal Gear Solid, I could, I could handle because it was, like, the story was so gripping mm-hmm. that I didn't even need to see, like, what the characters looked like or right, what right, right. I was looking at. But, I mean, games on the Nintendo 64, like, like uh, GoldenEye, which is just a... a universally beloved and classic game, yeah. but if you play it on an N64 now, the game is almost borderline unplayable. Right. Well, that's just because of how it looks. That control style for first-person shooters was just bad. Well, yeah. That you came still... to a dead stop when you aim? Yeah, yeah, it was bad. Not having two analog sticks, like, adding the second analog stick, especially for shooters, was a huge, mm-hmm. like, step Yeah, up. but they were still, I mean... You think PlayStation N64, for that with the DualShock. Well, yeah, but N64 was... the first the, that had two for consoles. Yeah, because N64 was the first one that actually had an analog joystick. Yeah, and, but it only had the one. Yeah, it only had the one in the middle. Yeah. And then PlayStation was the first one that had both of them on the, yeah, on the, the DualShock. DualShock. That was cool. Yeah. I remember that, that was, was a big thing back then. And the, the DualShock was basically the pre- precursor for PlayStation 2. Yeah. So... Um... As far as I can recall, console-wise, DualShock was the first one to have the twin sticks. Yes. Didn't Saturn technically come out before PlayStation? It, it did, did, 1994, but it never had No, it never had a DualShock. It didn't even have one joystick. No, not really. It was all I mean, D-pad. What was Other the, than the 3D controller. Yeah, I was, was going to say, but that was only mainly, it was built for Knights. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah you because it, it came was, packed in with Knights into Dreams. It was hard yeah. to use with anything else because it was just a goofy ball. Like yeah. it was very strange. And, oh, uh, that's right, I remember that. Yeah, and um, honestly, I don't even think did the did the original Xbox controller even have dual analog sticks? The Duke, I think so. Yeah, yeah but when it Halo first, did, but when it first came out, yeah, yeah, oh, okay. I believe so. Because okay. wasn't Halo one of the launch not launch titles but halo was early it was Xbox. very early it was very early and Xbox, i remember yeah. that was a big tout was oh, okay. the dual sticks oh okay but still i mean that came out in 2001 and so the anal- the dual shock analog controller was 1998 yeah so that's right because i always remember seeing it with um didn't you need it for the resident evil director's cut the dual shock or no you didn't it was just compatible with it i thought you needed it yeah no 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 i don't think that there was any game that w- it was required that you had it mm-hmm. but it's just there was like the um resident evil 2 was they, they mm-hmm. specifically made a dual shock edition okay yeah and so i, I actually that. yeah i've got that one yeah but yeah that was uh so. it's kind of interesting well speaking of playstation we'll move on to our next segment this doesn't affect you so much, Paul. This is, about affects... R- this is about RPGs, isn't it? No. Oh, good. <laughs> it is the closing of the PlayStation 3, the Vita, 
stores where you can no longer buy games. They I think announced PSP the, as well. And PSP, I, I thought PSP was already. I don't know. They still weren't. PSP was still active. Yep. But they're closing those three stores, and it's caused quite a stir in the gaming community. To me, it doesn't. I, I mean, how long did people think that those stores were going to be open? That was kind of my thought. It's like you really I mean, thought these games that these server or servers these things were going to be no just forever open like and see and that has always been the crux of why I feel like okay when people say digital versus physical right. media I love physical because even if everything goes away your physical disc is still in your possession. It's still in your collection. You can pop it in whenever you want. We but can, if you that buy... also depends on the era of system you're talking about. Well, it does. It does. But I'm but I'm because saying anything no. PS3 or later, some of them literally require the day one updates to be able to play. Well, some of them. Some do. do. It's more or, prevalent now. Or or the the other thing is like I would say late or PS4 to PS5. PS3 not so much except for that one what was this some Tony Hawk game needed a patch, a day one patch. Oh, was, I think it was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely more prevalent yeah. now in PS4 to 5, especially since you need an established connection to something. Yeah. It's got to connect to somewhere. Uh-huh. Once those servers are gone in what 40 years? Mm -hmm. how much of these libraries are going to be unplayable well, anyway. Well, that's what I mean, is is like, okay, so you had a game that you downloaded as a digital download. Like, I mean, how long do you think you have that for? You're basically renting it. You don't own it. You mm -hmm. are renting it for however long those servers are around to provide it to you. Yeah. That's it. Depending. Because, like, I know when certain other digital stores closed... They only close the shop front, so you can't buy new stuff. But if you already own it, you can re-download yeah, it. Yeah, you still. can. Yeah, you can. You can still play. So it it's not. It, it, they're literally. It's not like the games are going away. They are just closing the shop to be able to buy new stuff because it's not worth the cost to keep upgrading the system. Yeah. No, so I, I get that. But like, yeah. So like, if I already have something on my PSP or my Vita. As long as I have my PSP or Vita and it can still connect to Sony servers, I can still download my game back. So to me, it doesn't bother me because I've already, years ago, I already realized all of this stuff. So it's like, okay, so yeah. in the case of like, so they had remade um, Turtles in Time. Yeah. On the uh, And they put it on the PlayStation Network Actually, and maybe that. even the Xbox Live, whatever it was year like when i first got my playstation i was going through the store and i saw that they had reshelled and so you could download like a preview of the game which is i think the entire first level of it hmm. and for the longest time i had that preview and i just would not i, I wouldn't would pay the ten dollars for the game oh. and i finally was like you know what yeah, I'm finally haven't, buy it i haven't played gone. yeah i haven't played a game in a long time like you know what i think i want to buy this now so i went to the store and it wasn't there and i thought <laughs> Wait, what? And so then I That's I did when the a, license one got revoked, right? I did a Google search and it was because, yeah, once the sale to Nickelodeon took place, Ubisoft could no longer by law sell it. And wow. so they had to take it off. And Marvel Ultimate Alliance two did the same thing, Juggernaut sort of. Well no. <laughs> it's they I don't know why they did this, but they released downloadable content on the game that had basically it was a character pack like juggernaut and some hmm. other characters but then they also had like um uh like bonus like games like um 
like expansion games, basically, yeah, like different yeah. scenarios that you could oh, play. Oh, the Danger Room stuff. Yeah, kind of like the Danger Room. Okay, packs. okay, okay. And so they had them. Those. They had them on the PlayStation Store, but they said like they released them in. It was like just I, I may be wrong about this, but I'm just gonna say as an example, they released them in like beginning of December. I didn't say November. Ja- I think is when it or was or something like it was that. Like Thanksgiving. But, then, but then they said that they're pulling them from the store in January, so get them now. And it's like, well, why would you be pulling it? And so I got all of the stuff. I bought the Juggernaut. I bought the Danger Room packs, and it was gone in like middle of January. And I thought it's basically just like printing money. Like, why would you? Yeah. Why? That doesn't make sense. So then I realized, like, okay, I mean. That was kind of a precursor of, well, eventually the PlayStation Store is going to shut down. It's just not going to provide anymore. Um, and so I was already, uh, like, I'm. it doesn't bother me because I was already expecting it years ago. Mm-hmm. I knew that this was going to happen. Well, the, the biggest issue with that people are having is in terms of, like, game preservation. Because how many games are on the PS3 Store that or or the vita that just don't have physical releases yeah, so I, these games will end up lost in time i don't think they will but you're not they're not available anymore you, so you do realize sony i think it's the sony entertainment the the the, the playstation sub brand they have a library of every every game that's ever been published on their system Yes, but who is going to look back and be like Outland? Let's put that back on the PlayStation Store. Oh no, no, yeah, PS3 yeah but that's the thing is like that's what I'm saying. It's they're, they're archived. They're just not going to be publicly archived. So who? But that's that's in, in terms of game preservation, people are referring to being accessible. Yeah, you know no, what I mean. I, no, and I understand. Well, then at that. some point, Nintendo stuff is no longer going to be accessible well, too. And well, I, they all are. They're all going that way. Yeah. No, even like NES. Eventually, these cards will degrade. Unless if you, unless if you like, what is it? Hermetically seal them to where they're they're airtight, so nothing can get to them. They will eventually degrade. How often? How many Nintendos do we have where like the pin connection is bad now? That's yeah, also that's, due to poor friction. poor care. Yeah, but that's still like, I that's, mean, that's inevitable with physical media. You're still able to play Atari games. How many years after the fact? Because now? they almost them- thirty or. 40 yeah, because years? they because they convert them to ROM. No, stuff. I'm talking. Oh, like you're talking about physical cards. cards. Oh yeah, the cards so work just they fine. They probably yeah. don't degrade as fast as you would think. No, it depends. It, it depends entirely on how they're stored. Exactly, mm-hmm. and the but, care that they're stored. And the, but like exactly. yeah, like even even like your your PlayStation discs. I've actually burned a ring into some of my PlayStation discs. Yeah, but you're you're the exception, not the rule. Mm-hmm. You play games. You'd for be shocked. There are far more. Of... There are far more people like me that play games than like you. I don't buy that <laughs> have you seen like average playtime for like call of duty you. players or, or even like hell even like diablo uh, call of duty that's digital stupid don't be ridiculous <laughs> but like but like have you seen like average playtime for like a lot of gamers is more than your average playtime oh i, I completely doubt it because i also have a life so I mean, Fuck you. I, so, I, <laughs> so my my big thing would be okay People are worried about preserving games. Yes. I'm, I'm going to be kind of a, a nihilist in, in, in terms of, of this mindset. Everything will die. D- well, no, no, not even just that, but it's... Do all games even need to no. be saved? No. 
Do See, they need to be preserved? I mean, you are. I... There are certain games that are only applying to like. There's a a, a client base or a, a fan base that is so tiny that it's. Are you really going to try to save these games for? 0.01% of the population. No. Is someone out there really hunting for Normie's Beach Babe-O-Rama? Well, guess what? This guy got it! <laughs> well, and that's, and that's, but, but exactly. Like, yeah. but that's, Who even remembers what that game is, let alone we need to preserve I, it? I've actually made that argument for like towards the Library of Congress for books and movies. There are certain books and movies that just do not need to be preserved, but are preserved forever now. No. They're garbage. They're not worth the medium that they're printed on, mm -hmm. but they're still archived. Gaming is the same way. Like, I'd say probably somewhere between, like, 50 and 65% of all games ever produced are fucking worthless. For the most part. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. If we're talking, I'm not, I'm not talking, like, just particular lines. From the very beginning of video games till now, somewhere between, like, that, that 50 to 65% of games... They're garbage. They well, are not worth even touching. Even just narrow the scope to just the NES library, 678. How many of those games uh -huh. are really worth it? And uh, then it gets uh, worse you know? as you go on. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the, the Xbox 360 store? How many times did you and I go through there and see all those self-published fucking games that... They're just stupid. They're worth. They're embarrassing. Well, and that's why. And I those mean, get preserved. Well, and it's funny because I mean that's I just recently saw a video about like gatekeeping, right? Like in in certain industries, and is it a good thing? And I said it, it can be. It can it, exactly. It can be because I mean if you really think about standards it, standards need to be in place. If you think about it, Nintendo gate they they gate kept the uh, the yeah. system. They made it so that publishers only had five chances to make a really good game per year. They also lost lawsuits because of it. They lost lawsuits? Because of stuff like uh, the Game Genie and stuff like that. They, Nintendo lost the lawsuits against Oh, those. but that's... Well, that's because they basically... They... they uh, what is that? Um, uh, oh, God. What is that called when they're... they're reverse engineered. Uh, Galoob reverse engineered it. And mm, they okay. basically... That's why they lost it is because they said you can't have the monopoly on... Right. these things so Galoob got away with it that's that's not mm. related but publishers literally had five chances oh so you're they talking about to... the ones for the official seal yeah. and stuff okay yeah. sorry so oh, they... you're talking about the limit yeah. yes the limit that they okay. basically were gatekeeping yeah. so that publishers had to put out the best of the best that they could so that they didn't get this glut that basically is what destroyed the Atari 2600 right. and that's what prevented shit from like Cyberpunk 2077 happening well <laughs> exactly is that you yeah mm. And so, I mean, there was a lot of stuff where basically uh, Atari 2600, they uh, they didn't care if other like third-party companies created their games because right. they said, okay, this is a really good thing. If people know how to, how to create them... The more choices, then, the better. Well, yeah. the more choices, the better, because if they have a good game, then it's going to sell our systems, and so we're going to make some money. If it's a bad game... Well, who cares? Because it's not we, our name. We didn't. It's not our name. Yeah. We didn't pay for it, so we're not losing anything. So you know what? Let them do what they want to do. But then you had all of this glut of shit on the system that basically, pretty much, crumbled the entire video game industry yeah. as e. a, as a result of. Well, ET was. It's its own. Problem. Th those yeah, were those so that's were a special circumstances. Those were other special circumstances. Those were other issues that yeah. that caused that destruction. That was just greed. Yeah, like Indiana that. Jones. Raiders of the Lost Ark is a fucking almost unplayable mess and nonsensical. 
as far as Atari games go, but then again, which ones were? Well, but either way, I mean, it's so they they knew Nintendo knew that gatekeeping was necessary in order to do that. Well, now that we are in the age of digital consumption, where anybody can create a game and put it on a digital platform, you're now starting to get back into that age of Atari, where it's we don't care what you put on the system. We'll sell it. You just... It's actually, basically becoming a repository, like almost like a YouTube. It actually, I can say it applies to more than just games, because um, how many movies have we scrolled by that are like, how did this even get produced? That's true. Some like, I can yeah. pull up books on Amazon right now that, that like you're, you'd be like, that's an entire subgenre of like, what the fuck? Anybody yeah. can self-publish now, yeah. too, on so, Amazon. And it's it's yeah. one of those things where it's like, at a certain point, some sort of practical standard does need to be hey this is the minimum line you have to meet of what you before the, like you can do something i suppose it depends how you define the gatekeeping too like you said yeah gatekeeping for standards is fine yes but gatekeeping in a form of if you're oh. like look at look at uh Don't, like comics versus movies or or That's i'm a- thinking like um <sighs> destiny in a weird way gate kept in a, in a goofy way where players would flat out kick you out of teams if you oh. weren't rolling their particular oh, yeah. setup. Oh, yeah. Wow, sure. yep. would mm-hmm. do the same thing. Where yeah. People no, would literally that kind of gatekeeping. From yeah. That kind of gatekeeping yes. can completely destroy. Same thing with hobby. Yes. fan-based gatekeeping can too where it's well, yes. you don't know X Y and Z, therefore you're not a real fan. That yeah. sort of shit. Yeah. Like that's, that's not yeah. sadly no. it's it's that's that probably too because that of the internet. So. More more often than it than it needs to or that it should ever yeah. be. Like I'm I'm freshly on Twitter. I finally started my own Twitter like a few months ago. It's not worth it. And I've noticed a lot of things like socially and stuff. And it still amazes me that like men will gatekeep women out of gaming. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Oh, yeah. I see all the time. I've seen a lot of things where it's like these women. There's one in particular. She's a huge Final Fantasy nut. Like she's she's almost 40 years old she's been playing final fantasy her whole almost her whole fucking life like she mm-hmm. just loves it but she still gets men like mansplaining fucking final fantasy to her and she's like i know more than you do mm-hmm. but because i'm a woman they assume i don't yeah and it's like that shit still like i'm still like really people are still doing that right now oh, it, like, goes, it goes every direction like i remember yeah. when we were kids growing up yeah finding a woman who or a girl who played games was a rarity was, you were like oh uni- shit it was a unicorn because yeah. we were always brought up like if you play video games you're a fucking nerd you're a loser you're a loser you're mm-hmm. you're never gonna get a girl mm-hmm. so like that kind of shit was so like into us but like by the time i'd say we were in high school mm-hmm. like that mentality kind of fell off no even in high school it was bad because I remember yeah. a lot of girls talking about like playing D and D and shit. So like that kind of it, there, those are the those were the exception. That wasn't the norm. I suppose. Yeah, that was yeah, that was definitely because not like any time, even amongst like the group of people I usually hung out with, bringing up comic books or like even like old movies. We're talking like black and white era movies. They'd be like, "What the fuck are you talking about? You're a nerd. Shut the fuck up. Get out of here." I say it started. Mm-hmm. when we like just about our end our tail end of high school 2002 2003 ish and mm-hmm. then when nerd culture kind of started ramping up well nerd and culture becoming no, nerd culture became mainstream it's yes. no longer nerd culture no mm-hmm. but that kind of shifted the the ideal that 
yeah, women can play. I, yeah. I, I bet you we would have been surprised how many women actually like, oh, no, play I games as kids because I know quite a few. Even mm-hmm. for but... even for girls, like video games were looked at something that's that's not your realm. Mm-hmm. Like you don't belong there. Yeah. So it yeah. kind of I don't know why this got this part of the topic got on, but it it's just something that no, kind of I, amazes I talk, me. Because I talked yeah. about gatekeeping and and I was using it as as a way to explain that. We are now, it's basically the Wild West again, because mm-hmm. developers can create a game who have no history of creating games, may not even know how to create games, but they are the ones who are trying to make the next Minecraft, or the next cave Fortnite, story. or the next cave story. Like, they're trying to, these, these Shovel game, Knight. Yeah, well, these, these game creators, well, Shovel Knight, they... They knew a thing or two about nostalgia and, and what to what to do, but you take a game like Minecraft, where it's literally just pixelated cubes and you build stuff. It looks like PS One, yeah. That's it that's it. But apparently, it became this huge well, juggernaut phenomenon. Bought it for over a billion. It's, I mean, it's no different than when uh, uh, comic books in the yeah. early '80s, Eastman and Laird, when they created TMNT. You had a glut of other people trying to make anthropomorphic characters because they thought, oh, anybody can do this. There was like uh, something, uh, uh, black belt hamsters, like mutated black belt hamsters or something like that was another one. I'm dead serious. I have, I, I have number one of that issue. Everybody, everybody was trying to capture lightning in a bottle that Eastman and Laird did with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And it kicked off the entire... Uh, for the most part, it kicked off the uh, the the independent comic book creation. Yeah, like you didn't have anything that was outside of Marvel or DC. Right. But now all of a sudden, everybody was publishing comic books, and they were trying to say, "Hey, you know what? Let's throw all this crap on the wall and see what sticks to it." Yeah. And then that's what we're going to do. And eventually we're going to create something that's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and it's going to be a big success. Well, that's what game developers are doing now, hoping that they're going to capture that. Yeah. So honestly, if you do not preserve 98% of what is out there right now, people aren't going to care. It's not, so right. it's not a big deal. But if there are certain things, if they, have so, if they are so inclined to say, no, we have to preserve games then there should come like a vote of saying, okay, if you had a hundred games from the PS3 era or PS4 era, like these, these, uh, that's hard. These games or something like that, which ones would you choose? Or we can, we can only, we can only, uh, preserve a thousand games, uh, digital, whatever it is you guys choose. And, and the most that, that, that gets the most votes. Those are the ones that will preserve, but you don't, actually have to preserve everything because there, there's just not well and there's no be, reason there's no that reason would, to. that would be an that's that's a that's a real sisyphus right well there. but but what i'm saying though is that i'm i'm, I'm talking only in terms of the digital only games because, I, I know what you, yeah because obviously like physical games that were made by uh, by companies and stuff like that obviously those are already mm-hmm. preserved because you've got the disc you've got the code in there but these games that are digital only I mean, yeah, there's a bunch of crap on there. So yeah. not all of them need to be saved. Right. But, I mean, just that that system would be... That would be impossible. Well... Because, I mean, that'd be like, take take all of the Pokemon that are out now, almost a 1,000, and choose a 100. Like, well, it's, that's almost impossible, because every Pokemon, statistically, is somebody's favorite. Well, and see, and that's the thing, is that you <sighs> cannot please everybody. No. we you, there, there has never been a point where you can please everybody. That's why... And... and 
they still haven't got it in Hollywood yet is they're trying to make movies based on the mm-hmm. the uh, I don't want to say the lowest common denominator, but the, the for the, the greatest the greatest good. They want to apply their movie to everybody so that they have the biggest audience that they possibly can. But essentially, you need to pick who your core yeah. audience is and go to them. Because you're going to alienate people. Like, actually, in a weird way, Star Trek is kind of a, a good example of that. Yeah. With I, I don't know how much you know about like Star Trek Discovery and stuff like that. I haven't how, watched any. So of it, like so. Star Trek ended up taking this evolution of you know you had like the original series, mm-hmm. then you had Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and all that shit. Yep. It's like they were all encapsulated bottle episodes where it's like yes there might be a small story here and there but like basically you could pick and choose an episode more. Yeah, there were one off episodes. They're, they're yeah. my creature of the weeks. They're Scooby Doo's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of that fan base of Star Trek still yearns for that time. Mm-hmm. So, like, Star Trek Discovery is more cinematic. It focused, it be, basically became Star Wars for Star Trek fans, but well, Star Trek fans hate it. But it uh, also lost everything that made Star Trek Star Trek. Right. But like, they, the way. No, no, they, the, 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 it's not necessarily because it's a constant brain, like a constant narrative. Right. It's because it lost all of the charm. Oh, I was getting you're, to that. Yeah, yes. I was like, you're, it's not. It's, it's it's not just that. It's but not the the continuous story because Next Generation and especially Deep Space Nine was it was story. it yep. was not a just a you can because there's entire like seasons of Deep Space Nine where if you just pick one episode go in you're done you're not going to watch anything right. else beyond that because you won't know what is going on. Start like Discovery when they did it because they, they it was the same thing with um like the movies like Into Darkness yeah, and all that the, shit where they burn themselves out they basically tried to become Star Wars mm. they want to appeal to the Star Wars crowd yeah action drama this dark shit and that's that's never been what Star Trek's about yeah mm-hmm. so when they made that conscious decision for Discovery to hit those notes to try to pull in the Star Wars crowd you basically destroyed your entire previous yeah. fan base because that's not what they want. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. You can't please everybody. No, you can't. To me, the safer move would be to preserve the audience you have, the ones that have been with you since your original series, Next Generation. Why would you take that drastic turn? Yes, I suppose you do need something different because even uh, since Deep Space Nine, like even Voyager, there's, there's, it started to fall off because you had over a decade of the same the mm-hmm. same shit, yeah. you know. Well, that's why you take that's that's why the, Deep the, Space Nine was so fantastic was because it well, took, Deep Space Nine was very different from the previous Star Trek. It was series. darker, but it was also smart in the way that it did. Well, the dark. not just that is Deep Space Nine. Well, like the original series, um, TNG, even Voyager, it's a constant move. Yeah. It's a we're in place A, we're going to place B and doing the next thing. Well, Deep Space Nine was like the it's first all the station. De- it was the first major departure in that it's this is our set location. Mm-hmm. Occasionally we'll go other places, but this is our location. Yeah. It was the first one to really focus on a like a set location rather than a moving object. Yeah. They, instead of exploring the galaxy, they were exploring the character drama. The character drama because it's I mean, granted, there's always been character drama, but... Right. But it, it's usually, like, if you look at some of the character <laughs> building in, in, or the character arcs in, in, like, TNG, it's it's not that great. 
Like a lot of them depending are, are on what kind char- of boring. Characters. Depending on what character arcs you pick, because right. like Riker and Data had great ones, but like Worf was like hit or miss. I mean, Picard obviously was the only one that really. <laughs> he became the cutest. <laughs> he had development because he went from the the sort of uptight officer to the yeah. So I mean, and then Riker went from like the boyish. You know, second in command to the well, yeah, shit, we can't do everything that way anymore. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, it's or you get characters like Tashiar where they start having it and then they're like, "Up, oh, you're dead." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because she wanted off the show. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, but like you said, you can only do the same thing for so long. It's mm-hmm. the same with almost anything. Yeah. Like even Star Wars was the same. It's like, how much can you really do the same? Even though I suppose Star Wars fans That's... are kind of an odd duck Why? because they'll they'll bleed anything that has the Star Wars name on it, but yeah, not there, everything. There is a point where it's like, how much can you see the same shit? Like yeah, even, but... even when what seven came out, they were like, this is just. This is just four again. <laughs> but yeah, but that's characters. that's no, but that's because they, that's because they yeah. literally did that's the what same they story. Did. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I mean, but then I mean, then it comes back to the, like if you can't do, can only do the same thing so many times. There are only like the what is it, the seven, seven. stories you can tell, anyways. Right. So no, no matter what story you're telling, you're telling the same story. Right. There's only so, so many things you can change. It's usually setting characters and thing, but the plot's the same. Yeah. There's only yeah. so many variations you can do. So no matter what you're telling, you're always going to be telling the same story. Right. So, like, you can pick your favorite story. I guarantee I can go back and find an older version of the exact same story. Oh, of course. It just, it might not be as neatly written as modern (laughs) standards, because that's where changes are. Oh, of course. So. I'm not diving into this, because I fundamentally disagree with both of you in regards to Star Wars on, on what you guys are talking about. But there is a whole bigger can of worms that is the reason why... Seven, eight, and nine failed. Oh no, no! There's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons why, but there's also a lot of turmoil that's going on inside of Lucasfilm. Yeah, Yeah, a lot of inner. I want to say that, especially in the case of like Star Wars, you had the biggest. You had okay. There was like to me, there was three factors. You had the good part of the fan base. You had the absolute scummy shit part of the fan base, and then you had a. Two part. Well, I suppose it'd be the four then, because then you had the part of the company that didn't know what the fuck they were doing, but then you had those people in the company that knew what they were doing, but got overruled. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like, you had these four factors that all went against everything they were trying to do. So they were, they were fighting both up and downhill at the same time. Yes, but also you had a lot of stories that they could have have told oh, yeah. in what ended up becoming legends because yeah. they took all of the old stuff that was canon and decanonized it. Oh, when and Disney took when it? When Disney took it. And see, even that's kind of iffy because even when <clears throat> the extended universe stuff was canon, there were certain parts of it that George Lucas himself said, this I will accept, this I won't. So mm. there was canon and then there was george lucas canon where he specifically picked certain novel series and stuff he liked Mm -hmm. that were part of his story everything else was someone else's story that's why i always so the canon has always been fucky since the get-go i hate when like things do offshoots that are not part of if it's an officially released something it should be part of your story Mm -hmm. but see that's why that's why i like how like marvel and dc do it with the multiverse but even that, like... Because that way I can I can diverge with this character, but still 
explore this character. You know what I mean? I suppose that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Because like mm-hmm. you, if if I want to do Batman, I don't always want to do Batman. Because if we stuck with the same thing, we never would have got Batman Beyond. Right. right. We never would have gotten like some of these good stories. You never probably never would have gotten what was Dark Knight Returns and stuff like that. Mm. Like if they would have stuck to what Batman yeah. was, Batman would not be Batman. Yeah, I mm-hmm. suppose that's true because we'd still have that fucking Adam West. No, no, still, actually, before we would still have the yeah. original Batman where he ran around with like rifles gun. and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah, you have the goofy Batman. So without being able to explore stuff, you can't find the new ways to improve your story. But then, yeah, it's it's that fine line between improving and destroying. And that's usually it's, it's, when power shifts. The, happen, the marble or, statue. Or of, I, of okay, I'm, and... I'm making this fine tune. Oop, yeah. I've hit too hard. I've now cracked my statue. It's useless. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially when, like I said, when things change hands. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. And then and like, you have yeah. different visions of how you want things. I mean, look at the movies. You had three different, well, two different directors, I guess, and yeah. both of them had their own ideas of what they wanted to do. Well, one played better than the other. And yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. That's. And then, uh, yeah, obviously, yeah, fan bases do play a part in it because sometimes certain people just shouldn't have a voice. It's it, it's a fucking yeah. situation all around. So, mm-hmm. it, you're right. It's damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing Star Trek fell into is they mm-hmm. they tried to appeal to the fans that just want fucking space battles, bitch. Boom! What the fuck? <laughs> and then the people that just want the it's the the. The philosophy, the philosophy, the Picard diplomacy. Yeah, Starfleet was there to not to hurt things, but then Discovery, they just want to blow shit up. Like mm-hmm. it just gets so goofy, and I feel like the later Star Wars kind of it was the same thing. Like kind the of. visions kind of changed. Even and that's why some with, wanted to preserve them, some didn't. That's and why like, with like stuff like the Mandalorian, it's definitely going back to the older style while incorporating newer themes into it mandalorian i will say that's kind of one i i kind of want to watch you should watch because it seems more intelligent to to me it does i don't know if i mean i've I've heard nothing but good things i I don't think anybody's ever complained about anything in the mandalorian no that i know of other than grogu is too cute (laughs) (laughs) but like he kind of steals the show when he's on screen yeah (laughs) like and it's it's yeah like that would be the one part of star wars where i'm like i can get into this yeah and, mm-hmm. i mean turtles the, even this is like kind of the same thing well it's not the it's, one part i mean you played kotor so i did like knights of the old republic i so. thought those were really cool and i i love the lore of knights of the old republic well I, that's legend now that's not canon anymore of course not mm-hmm. but i mean it's the same like i don't know hmm that's why, like, well, like I said, that's the, the, the that's why I've it, kind of been get. that's why I've been quiet because I think this is this is an episode unto itself that I just do not want to dive into because there's I, I've got way too much uh, just too many feelings. Um, oh, I'm with you on that. Tied I in just, on this. Maybe, not, maybe we'll have to do a quickie of, yeah. of us a quickie, diving into the, quickie six uh, hours later. Oh, let's say our our quickies always end up an hour. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe that's when we'll we'll have to write that idea down. And yeah. maybe because I like I said at one point I do want to watch all of the Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 kind of just have that experience. And I would I, I, hell any any viewpoint's good because I'm an open book. I mm-hmm. I'm I'm not bullheaded enough to be like this is how it has to be. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is what I think, and no one's gonna change it. Like I, I love hearing yeah. people's opinions on things. Yeah. Like as much as or as little as I know about Star Wars, like I love listening to you two talk about it because mm-hmm. I think that shit's interesting. Even Star Trek, like I'm not huge into it, 
but I love listening to people talk about it. Mm-hmm. That kind of shit interests me. Yeah. So like that kind of stuff I love. But um, and that's why you should watch Stargate because it's the middle ground between the <laughs> two, and you would like it. Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> oh no, Fox Star Battlestar. Dune. God, what a hot mess. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love those books. Folding space worms. <laughs> hey, it's goofy. <laughs> the spice must flow. <laughs> but yes, so. Well, you might as well get to what we were supposed uh, to be talking about. I mean, PS3 stuff. Yeah, we'll, we'll close off this idea. Um, I, like Paul, I had no illusion that those stores were going to be open forever. I didn't. No. And, and that's and it's, it's part of what scares me about honest, gaming modern day. And this is one of the big reasons I am an advocate, an, uh, an advocate for emulation. Because even with NES yeah. and stuff, I'm sorry... The majority of people that might want to play NES games right. will never be able to have the collection. No, and they will never they spend the hundreds of dollars to have a panic restaurant. Yeah. Or, or the thousands. So sometimes emulation is the best course. Mm-hmm. That's why I like the NES Mini. That's why I like these mini systems. Yeah. Because it is a good way of preserving your legacy while presenting it to a new audience. Mm-hmm. There is something to be said about playing on authentic hardware, though. Yeah, there are there are times the, the experience is different, which is which is it's a weird thing to say. Maybe it's one of those things where it's like you have to experience it yourself because I know a lot of people who who are the same route. They they will only emulate stuff because they don't want to spend the money. But it's like mm-hmm. there really is something about playing it but on I'm, authentic that's... hardware that feels different. Yes and yeah. no, because I mean I can get NES controllers for a computer. Right, they but feel the same. Still different. Remember, even well. That's, I suppose, a different a different beast, though. Like like playing Mario Maker and, mm-hmm. and playing, yeah, like the original diff- Mario stuff on yeah. it. That's even different. even playing Mario All Stars on like Super Nintendo is is different. Oh yeah, oh no, yeah. it looks different than the original stuff. Yeah. It was meant to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. but like I, like I don't I, know. I, I, that's why like for for me like that sort of stuff is great, especially because at a, like again at a certain point, yeah. hardware just will not exist anymore. Right. At some point, you're not going to be able to get replacement parts for your NES. It just right. it, there is a finite resource there. Mm-hmm. Short of people like literally handcrafting the stuff, it will go away. Mm-hmm. You don't have a choice on that. Yeah. But at least with emulation, the game, the memories, that stuff will always continue on. Yeah. Yeah. That's I suppose that's true. That's why, like, mm. to me, digital is not this like devil to be scared, afraid of. No, nope, I still it's think a, it is. <laughs> it's a tool that you definitely you have to embrace at some point because it doesn't matter what you do. It just it has I'm, to happen. I'm not I'm not opposed to like, and I'm not and I'm not yeah. afraid of, of digital. I'm just saying, make no illusions. But yeah, if I you agree. own something digitally, you don't quote unquote own it. You are borrowing right. it for the duration of its life cycle. Actually, the funny thing is, um, this is actually becoming an issue with DVDs. You do realize, even if you buy a DVD, you do not own the movie. Well, obviously, they you can don't actually, own the movie. You can actually, well, like, they can revoke your license on a DVD player. Huh? Yep. It's already happened for certain movies that when they, because DVD players need updates and stuff, they can revoke the license for DVDs. What DVD player needs needs an update? There are actually quite a few of them now. Now, but like, but like, you can I can plug my DVDs into my PS2 and play them. You can actually lose the license for DVDs though, and stuff like that. That's so it's. 
I don't quite buy that one. I don't, I don't, I don't buy, buy that. I don't one. buy that either. I'll, I'll show you the stuff for it. The well, you can show me all you want, but I don't buy it. If it's not connecting to something, then it's not. I still have it. That would be like saying me plugging my cartridge into my Nintendo. It's gonna tell me I can't play it. What's gonna tell me? I can, what's gonna stop me? Well, that's different because that's like. But DVDs are the same thing. No. Unless your DVD player is a smart DVD player, and I'm using air quotes that needs no. an internet connection. Mm-hmm. Most DVD players don't. You're talking Blu-ray players. No, even there are some... There are, there are no DVD players that I've ever no, had or no, seen not, that connected not, not to the DVD internet. players. There are yeah. Blu- Blu-rays Blu-ray because what what the Blu-rays will do is it will connect to the internet where it will find like the newest it releases. It needs like, the codecs and yes. stuff like and that. So that, it can, so that it can, it can uh, advertise like what the newest... Uh, uh, like Universal movies are, mm-hmm. or the newest Legendary Pictures movies are, so that it can. No, I, I'll find your stuff, stuff and I'll show you. But, um, yeah, you'll have to because I yeah. don't. I don't buy that for a second. But that's that's kind of why I fear modern gaming is because when we hit that threshold of all digital, like you said, at some point you're basically just renting these games. You're, yep, that's it. Whereas our NES, our Super Nintendo, our PlayStation had, One, Two, we had ownership. We have. Yep. We can play that at any old time. Power goes out, or not power goes out, but, but like internet, power goes out. Yeah, internet connections cut. I can still play all that. I can shit. still turn yeah. on my. Whereas TV, yep. my mm-hmm. PS4, I can't play shit because now it needs to connect to something. Mm-hmm. So at some point, when they turn service off to that PS4 or PS5, I can't play what now it's going to be 80 percent of these games Mm -hmm. and that's what gaming is going to evolve into and that scares me yeah because you're going to lose how many games like that that terrifies me well and unfortunately it makes sense to go digital because you're only because you're only selling what people want you're not producing anything there's no overhead cost for a case for an instruction booklet for any of that oh, stuff for a physical booklets disc. died long time well, ago. But oh, I'm they're saying, making a comeback. But I'm saying for, though, for certain RPGs, but outside of that, they really don't. But I'm saying though, it's just you you don't have to pay that overhead cost yeah, for all right. of the all of the stuff that goes into games, and you're only selling what people want instead of producing. Fifty thousand discs, and then risking only selling well, thirty thousand of them. Yeah, yeah. I also got to point out that they never intended for people to collect. No, true. no, that's true. Collection that true. has always been a, an abnormal mindset. It's yeah. not the standard. No, that like, I know. Like that I know, I know we alluded to like pulp comics. Yeah. The mm-hmm. idea was to read it and throw it away. Yeah. Or yeah. donate. Comics, it. comics were disposable entertainment. Yeah. Basically, yeah. you read like, it and then you got yeah, even you threw like it away. even the like original movies and stuff. They never conceived of selling it to an audience. Right. It was, you go to watch it, you do it, you're done. That's it. It's a one and done. Nobody thought you would ever go to a movie theater and then go out to a Target and buy it. Yeah. yeah. That's, that, that was media something... was never intended to no. be a permanent like, thing <laughs> that you hold on to. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's true. Like, collection, as much as, like, as much as I know you guys love it, it is still the abnormal minority mindset course mm. so and like don't get me wrong i do i there there is a certain aspect of like yeah holding it for me like books go into a library or something like, you smell the physical book mm-hmm. degrading that like wood smell yeah there is yeah. something about that that just even with my e-reader as much as i love it doesn't quite replace for certain books right <laughs> but then there are other times the convenience of being able to just pick it up and read i uh i <laughs> i laugh only because i do that with uh 
there's certain comic books where they, when, they, the when they used to use the newsprint, yeah. basically. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I actually just um, that yellowing I have, of the page that you can't I have get a past. wizard. I have a wizard magazine that I just opened up from the cellophane because it was one that I had uh, that I remember oh, vividly as a kid. It was sealed, and nice. when I opened it up, I literally I just <laughs> held it up to and I smelled the pages, and I'm just like, oh my god, the yeah. smell! I just I remember the smell, or like, like when you were a kid like going old, into the comic yes, shop and you smell like an old that. like an oh old newsprint comic. Like when I smell it, it literally can transport me into um, rockheads when i yeah, went there as a kid and that was what the big whiff was is that newsprint smell like yeah, all the peace, comics rest that in, in peace rockheads yeah yeah so. that's so that's that so from there we he, will he uh, coffee real quick. uh you know what we'll do i know it seems goofy but we'll talk about the last ronin stuff after the music after the closing music because uh like i said he's usually getting into spoilers so, as much as this is the star of the episode, uh, it's going to be after the closing thing. So, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Let us know what your memories are of, of a PS3 area. What console yeah. would you choose to play for the rest of your life and why? Mm -hmm. Yeah, let us know what you think about video game preservation. And if it should be done, if it shouldn't be done, what we're losing as a result of, uh, of not doing it. Let us know your thoughts. Yeah. So hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. Go to PowerTripGaming.tv. Takes you directly to the YouTube channel where you can watch us blast through the 678 cartridge collection of our call of the desk. <laughs> <laughs> you can also watch our side quest material where we play games that aren't the NES. That's right. PlayStation 1, 2, 3. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, I knew that was coming. If you don't feel like contacting us on Facebook or Twitter, you can always shoot us an email at nespowertrip at gmail.com. Mm. Yes, and next time on Power Trip, we'll talk about something better. We'll talk about something better. Uh, yeah. This is I the mean, PowerCast. This is the PowerCast. We don't normally... No, it's, we'll talk about something better. I mean, we could, yeah, yeah. yeah. Next time on the Power Trip PowerCast! Yeah, we don't yeah. have Andy, so we can actually talk about stuff. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off, boys. So stay tuned after the music for last Ronin shit. Talking about the second issue, Last Ronin 2, baby. Yes, spoilers ahead. Spoilers so hopefully ahead. you have read The Last Ronin number two. If you haven't, you should probably pause this <laughs> and go ahead and read The Last Ronin number two. Read it's it! Really good. Super good. Really good. I'm fucking loving it so far. Yes, honestly, yes. this series, it's only two episodes or two issues yeah. long so far, but it has been like such a gripping story it really has yeah. if you haven't listened to our first power cast of last ronin then why are you here yeah look up the <laughs> look up the the episode rolling with the last ronin is that what you put that's it? what i named it rolling with rolling with the last ronin listen to that episode that we talk nice. about we get into tmnt lore and like it's our origins and and just tmnt in general and then we start talking about the issue mm-hmm so get into that if you haven't listened to that already. Otherwise, we're going to start plugging away into this second issue because we have thoughts mm -hmm. and ideas. Yeah. And, and I, I'm, I, oh, mm, I love it. I love the opening of it. Just April in bed. Mm. Her old grandma ass. <laughs> oh, God. Of course, it's you know what, though? She looks old now, but Yeah, but, uh, I mean, obviously it takes place years after, right, like, right, right. what the, the, 
current continuity was in. But um, even right off the bat, though, even with just with April, you find out that it's already going to be a really dark story oh, because yeah. she's missing she's limbs. She's missing limbs. I even <laughs> yeah. I even wrote that down. I'm like, April missing limbs. Like, holy That cow. surprised me. I was like, missing arm and leg. Yeah. I was like, holy fuck. Yeah, so it's yeah. like something happened, like, bad that, uh, mm-hmm. that she was kind of caught in the middle of. Um, but this one really cements that I know that after the first issue... Everybody thought, oh, my God, they revealed that it was Michelangelo was the last Ronin. (laughs) And I remember outlets all saying, don't put too much credence into it because they are trying to get you to believe one thing when something else can really happen down the road. And honestly, I think they really much they pretty much confirm in this one that Michelangelo is, in fact, the last Ronin. Yeah, she calls her. She calls him Mikey several times. He responds to it. Clearly, it's Michelangelo. Clearly, he's just delusional. It's Raphael. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, April knows the turtles. She's grown up with them. She she even I think in in some origins, she's even named the turtles like she was the one who was responsible for for that. Yeah. Um, well, that and the fact that there's this scene where he, when he's talking, making tea, and the other three turtles are at yep. the table, they're, they're ghosts. They're in, instead of the original or the first comic where they're kind of in the shadows and they're all mm-hmm. nondescript. This one, they're yeah. they're very clear about which turtle is which. Yeah, they have you know they're referring to themselves as, as Leonardo, Donatello, yeah. Raphael, and they have their weapons on them. Like you can clearly tell which ones are dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like that was kind of that, that was well, for me. I was like, wow, I'm surprised that they kind of destroyed that illusion already because i kind of thought the theme of this entire comic was who's the last ronin yeah but i honestly i'm glad they didn't play up that angle because no that would have gotten old fast but i still think that 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 kind of like ooh, who is this mystery new character it just it gets old really quick but at the same time like i knew that that wasn't going to be the focus because you can't really you can't really go five issues and not reveal until like issue four or five who the last Ronin actually is. But there's a lot more story building going on here that Mm -hmm. they can really dive into. Like what brought them to this point? We only get tastes and in, in tidbits of what was going on before that led us to this current predicament that they're in. So honestly, that is what is first and foremost pulling me in is the fact of, how the hell did we get here? Like the first few pages are even of her having the flashback where she's engaged to Casey. Yeah. And uh, Casey mm-hmm. Jones and, and you know, they're, they're having him over for dinner or whatever. And then, yep. the, you know, uh, Raphael busts in the door. They were ambushed, whatever. And they talk about all that shit. And yeah. it's just, it's, it, I'm, that's the part I'm loving is just seeing what led up to this point of Michelangelo going to seek revenge and all this shit. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And obviously the big fight scene and, with, with Raphael. Yeah. And, and like I, I, I think I brought this up in the first episode of of the podcast too is honestly it makes the most sense that it's Michelangelo right because Raphael has always been the hothead and he's always kind of been almost I I, I won't say I won't say the de facto leader but he's kind of been the one to take charge more when Leonardo is deciding like okay there's right and wrong but what what do we do and and Raphael's one who takes charge like he's used to that Donatello has he already had his kind of his death in yeah. the IDW series where he was replacer his his consciousness went into the the metalhead android turtle and Leonardo has always been kind of front and center as the the leader of the turtles right. Michelangelo is the one who can have the most growth and the most identity change because he was the happy-go-lucky 
always telling jokes, wisecracking turtle, but now all of a sudden, because of all this stuff that's happened, now he has turned bitter, his character has just completely done a 180, and you're seeing almost those bits of where he knows that Leonardo's personality has to come into him so that he can get done what needs to be done, but there's a lot of Raphael in him too, where there's a lot of animosity and a lot of anger, and so he has really gone through a huge shift yeah. in character. And so it makes the most sense for it to be him. Mm -hmm. uh, to be honest, I God, as much as it kind of hurts to say this, in the normal stuff, for the most part, the other three turtles seem very one-dimensional compared to Mikey. Mm, Mikey almost always... I suppose that's true. Mikey always almost seems like he's the audience surrogate, where he's like the, the, where, the place that... He's the one to humanize them. Yeah. The, the, to make the, you feel the one, The one you could place yourself into the easiest. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. Whereas, mm -hmm. like, yeah, Leo is always this, this stoic, like, and that's, mm -hmm. for most people, that's not going to be them. Donnie is this, like, genius, like, Tony Stark-ish type. Basically a scientist. You, like, scientific that's, mind. again, yeah. not going to be your average person. Raph is that, that hothead jock that, again... Yeah, there's going to be some people that identify with that, but again, not the majority of your readers. No. Especially, you know, nerd culture type stuff. Mm -hmm. So Mikey's always been that, hey, I'm the weird sort of outcasty amongst the four of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, he always, he seems like the one that had the most, like, personality and stuff always. Mm -hmm. Which is actually one of my biggest draws from this issue was just him kind of, there was the line he said when they were talking about, um, uh, when they were at the table talking about how Michael, how Raphael's, you know, I've saved your asses multiple times, and oh, I got into, the, I fought all the same fights yeah, you guys did. Michelangelo but... snaps oh, back yeah. at him and says, "I fought all of the same fights, even the ones that you guys started." Like his reluctance to really fight. Michelangelo's kind of always been the one where he's just gone along with it because that's he's the baby he brother. He feels that's what he has to do. It's... He never really wanted to do these fights, but now he's forced to, which plays into Paul's thing of he's the only one that makes the he has the most compelling story. Yeah. Because now he's going from the reluctance to its necessity. Mm -hmm. And I love that about him. And I love that it's showing the turtles in that light where there's almost like that inner turmoil. I think it's this, that, that line. Yeah, yeah. It was some back there where he's throwing where his he's heat right here. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, yeah, you stupid, pathetic fool. You always make our entire life all about you. I fought every battle you have, even the idiotic ones you started. And you still want to judge me? Yeah. I think yeah. he's yelling at Raph. Yeah. He's yelling at Raphael because mm -hmm. Raphael's calling him a coward because he was going to... He's yep. gonna kill himself at the end of the first issue, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. or what? Because they were, they were, he's basically ripping them for saying you're taking the coward's way out. Or yeah. Whatever. yeah, yeah. So it's just it's that kind of thought. It's just it's super fascinating to me because you always think the turtles they're the perfect team. They're all in sync. They're all yeah. You, you, you always, never think of that perfect mm -hmm. that like they're there never, might be conflict. In they're they it. to oh, be yeah. honest, they are not always. Well, no, Raphael and Leonardo have always kind of butt heads because they both kind of feel like that. Donnie's always tried leader. to be their arbiter too to try to make right. things better, and Mikey's always just been the one that's going, "Dude, what the hell's going on?" Yeah, like, he feels <laughs> like the brother that's just face palming the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like, guys, chill the fuck out, you know? And where, yeah. yeah, Leonardo and Raphael have always had that contention of who should be the leader. You mm -hmm. know, Raphael yep. is the he's to charge Cause, in. Cause he Let's do charge. this. Yeah, he takes charge. He makes the decisions that Leo doesn't want to make, but knows yeah. that it's probably the the decision that needs to be made. So, yeah. and a lot of people I don't think realize or look deeper into like the 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 camaraderie between the four and just like mm -hmm. this this 
tests that. And yeah. I think yeah. it's very fascinating to see it them does. in that different light. Yeah. So like that line particularly struck me. I remember when I read that, I was just like, holy shit. Like mm-hmm. I had to, I had to stop for a second. I'm like, damn. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, that's some whoop. heavy, yeah, it's heavy, heavy stuff. This so, is nothing I'd ever considered. Yeah. But like you said too, I mean that, that, um, that battle, um, between, uh, Karai and, uh, Raphael yeah, was just, track. I, yeah. I even wrote <laughs> the, the battle between, uh, Raph and Karai epic. So powerful. Like, I mean, yeah. honestly, there's only so much that you can really show and do in a comic book when you have a battle. I mean, obviously if you're going to play a battle like on a, uh, like a cinematic mm-hmm. outing, like TV or a movie, like you can actually see every piece of it. But this one it's it, like in, in drawing you, you are limited by the panels that you draw but still every piece of art every like slice that they do is just mm-hmm. so powerful and it's just so full of action yeah that i'm like this is actually one of the best fight scenes i've ever seen in a comic book like, yeah it was just so well done yeah the framing it, it looks really dynamic mm-hmm. like it it doesn't fall into some of the like the pitfalls that some comic book fight scenes do where it just it seems I guess cluttered. Blo- yeah, it seems bloated. Yeah. Like where it's like they're trying to show too much. <laughs> yeah, because like I, it's something I noticed with like Batman fights or any of those types of like street brawler characters, mm-hmm. where it just sometimes like the framing of, of like the fights just it, there's too much in one single frame. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. like in this one, like that entire like segment where it's, it's... Raph going. It is really well set up. Yeah, it really is. Like, yep. yeah, there's a lot happening in some of them. Like, he's getting his ass kicked, but there is. But like, each page is only like they're limiting themselves to two yeah. panels, so you have to tell all of that action. But it's not overwhelming to the eye. And basically. you can see, like, yeah. even in all of Raph's like body like position, you can see his rage with yeah. everything that's going on. Like, mm-hmm. so to, to set it up, like the opening thing is they're doing the flash. April's having the flashback of the, the Casey proposing and they get, you know, the ambush splinters mortally wounded. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she basically says to them, like, unless we find someone, he's not going to make it. And Raphael storms off to get revenge as Raphael does. Hell, he, he's done that before. You know, I mean, if even, <laughs> even if you go back to like the live action movies, yeah, when, when it's the emotional reaction rather than the logical one. Yeah. He busts and he wants that vengeance right away, you know? And, and he basically goes to kill Karai, mm-hmm. which, and this, he succeeds. Yep. Uh, quote unquote succeeds, I suppose. I think he does. Because somebody pulls her out of the water and oh, we saw right. in, yeah. in the first issue that she was in the she's tube. She's still in the incubation tube or whatever. So it's, it's yeah. questionable whether she's alive or dead, but it's just, um, and, and yep. he's, you know, basically it shows that in one, almost one frame where she's stabbing him, he's stabbing her. Yeah. It's, boom yep. like he gets his vengeance and then he floats down into the water mm-hmm. so it's like it's yeah, it's yep, yep, super right cool and super stylized and i absolutely love it and one thing i have to point out too i'm sure that if they're the the turtle fans who read this will probably have have found it but if if you did not the precursor leading up to that battle um there are people on a bus who are eating pizza Basically, it's it's two guys who are eating a slice of pizza, and they say, "Whoa, you see that?" And then the other one says, "What?" And it looked like, "Yeah, never mind. That'd be too crazy." Well, those two people who are eating pizza, it's Eastman and Laird. <laughs> it's, it's it's Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird who were yeah. the the original creators of of TMNT. So it's just it was a nice touch. It was <laughs> it was a it was a truly nice touch that they, it really they threw is in there. Cool. 
So that's I must say I never would have noticed that. But yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I, didn't, neat, I don't know what they look like. Yeah, see, honest, I know. I know the names and I know the stuff they've done, yep. but like, yeah, I don't know what they. And look I know like. exact, and I know exactly what they look like. So yeah, yeah. that's a cool nod. Mm-hmm. But one thing they touch on too is she, because um, Kevin and I were talking a little bit before about like their age, like they're mm-hmm. they're turtles, they can live technically well, like a hundred oh, years yeah, or tortoises so. like and like they're like the oldest tortoise on the galapagos was what a hundred and something fifty i think or something like is that. he still yeah. alive yeah he's but like and like i know certain turtles can live super long times so like how long do, do you think they could have lived without ever like naturally if they never fought Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, that's true. And, and the reason we kind of started talking about it is there's a, there's a, a couple of frames in there where he was talking about, oh, you know that like that fall should have killed me when he From fell the, out of the building and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. And April says maybe your mutations progressed. So it's it it would be cool if they kind of dabbled in the thought of like as they get older they kind of start looking more, more mutations, like, yeah, more, mm-hmm. like um like Tolkien Razor. From from the movie, how you know the ones the snapping turtle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be cool to see like differences in like even the shell where they start to. Well, I suppose. Well, they actually, okay. if you look at the original designs for tur- for for turtles versus this, like I would love to see like different versions of the turtles. Yeah, yeah, and I who knows maybe maybe it could for because I mean mm-hmm. this really kicks off a basically an expanded universe of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because they've never really done anything like this where this is supposed to be told like it's basically like um you're not familiar with Elseworlds mm-hmm. but basically when when DC tells a story that is like one of their main characters like Batman, Superman or something of that nature but they don't want it to be in the continuity of the Batman series or Superman, they call it Elseworlds, okay. where it's like this is kind of like a what? It's, it's an alternate dimension. It's, it's an alternate or or imagined future that stars this. Well, it's basically this kind of kicks that off. So honestly, okay. they could go into future storylines, what ifs of what if their mutations yeah. kept on mutating them. Because actually, what would cool, they end up becoming? A, a what, cool story they could have even because. They talk about oh, yeah. Ka- or you know Casey's talking to him, uh, April's daughter, mm-hmm. um, about learning like the the martial arts and shit. And he mm-hmm. talks about it'd be cool to see like even if Mikey became like her mentor, like her splinter. Oh yeah. So like yeah. it's another he raises 50 next, years down the road rather than like having more mutants. He raises yeah. his own like ninja clan. It would be mm-hmm. kind of interesting to see like that evolution of. Well, I mean, characters. like if you look at the way they originally looked versus what they look like now. Oh yeah. They've definitely like. They've changed yeah. a well, lot, but that's also so. that just, could be style that's just the style yeah that's just the style as well too because i mean you look at like the even so. the nickelodeon ones don't look no that's either. yeah rise of the tmnt was like they really changed them but yeah, yeah like so. the mention of the mutation progressing because i've always wondered that i'm like why did they stop mutating to this point you don't you think the mutation would keep occurring not, so well, I, not necessarily yeah. no no not necessarily because usually mutations once in the genome, and then it no. only mutates again for when you pass your your genetics on to the next. Uh, but it would be sure. your your DNA yeah. doesn't constantly change. I suppose that's true. Well, they did that in X Men though, where they did their second evolutions. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's, that's yeah, that's X Men plays not fast the... and loose with science. <laughs> yeah, I know they do. But yeah. it just it just kind of fascinated me how like they had made mention of well, yeah, maybe you're maybe you're just still changing. Yeah, yeah. that was kind mm-hmm. of a neat a neat nod. Yeah. Well, it also kind of explains how they always heal 
Yeah, because she mentions that she says he's you're healing faster. Because they mm-hmm. used to like they used to get their yeah. ass kicked all the time, and then you know the next issue or two they'd be ready to go. Again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so they never I, they, really addressed that they had it, a healing factor. Yeah, I, I guess it's a, they're kind of a, like a, a one way of being like, well, I guess you guys can heal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but uh, I do uh, find it interesting though because they they said that. Um, so uh, Casey and April were engaged, but we don't know yet if they actually got married. Right, mm-hmm. right. Obviously, they had a they had Casey Marie Jones, who is yeah, it was their daughter. Right. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they got married at that at that point. What? So. That's impossible. Uh, you have I to know. be married to have children. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no. It's so I'm I'm really curious where they're going um, mm-hmm. with that, and I would like to see a lot more of of. Casey Marie, yeah, uh, just kind of kicking butt and maybe being like the next generation of of ninja fighting for uh, to to help with uh, obviously the the last of the line of of Saki's of or of Oroku is yeah. uh, Hiroto. I to be honest, I have a feeling she is going to go with Mikey to fight at some point mm-hmm. because they they wouldn't have brought up her reading the old book. Right. and oh, learning right. yeah. and using all of their old tools in yeah. the in the dojo mm-hmm. they wouldn't have brought that up if it's if she's not, not prepared be, if she's not if prepared it's not going to be a, yeah. something at some point that yeah. was a cool so either, fucking segment too either yeah. she's going to go with him or the foot at some point is going to break into the old sewers mm-hmm. and come after them and she'll help defend the lair yeah maybe that was a badass scene actually when he talks about uh after everything happened how he just kind of went off on his own mm-hmm. and, and just the meditation and stuff that old artwork yeah like just the change in, in art style looked fucking oh incredible. when he did the yeah when he did yeah. the like the flashback and stuff mm-hmm. actually and it's it's funny because i actually wrote that down on my notes is that um for his memory the art style was so vastly different because it was actually um well i think um let me see here the the art for the actual like for the issue is um is it Isao and Isaac Escorza uh Ben Bishop um they all did like different artwork but the flashback that Mikey had that was in black and white with the with basically the, like the grayscale washing and stuff that was Kevin Eastman and that That's was cool. and that was the style that they did in the original series when they created it was it was really? always the black and white with the with the the, with the washing and stuff yeah with the overwash <laughs> and so Kevin Eastman doing the basically the flashback to uh, to like years and years past, it's like it was such a nostalgic nod that I just absolutely loved it, and I thought, "Damn, that was so fitting that That's he cool. did that he did those those pages right there." Do they does do, does he still do stuff even He's today? Been, oh yeah, okay. oh definitely does. I didn't know yeah. if he was like he hadn't done anything no, since then, no. and this is like his comeback um, kind of thing because that would be no, badass, no, no, but... no, no. Eastman has been working uh, basically. God, I mean ever since 2011 when the TMNT uh, uh, series started running in IM uh, or uh, IDW mm-hmm. um, okay but uh, Laird is the one who hasn't really he he's done things here and there but Laird has not done a whole heck of a lot okay. since then um, but that's cool that he's, he's he actually but yeah did it was some of the, oh god it was so panels. it was so fitting it looked amazing. So fitting. I yeah. loved I love the disparity between it because it just gives it's such a fucking gorgeous book. Like and really yeah. I do also like that it touches on that that the fact that he's always gonna be an outsider. 
mm-hmm. because he's just in like that snow area and those mm-hmm. people come upon him and they're like well immediately they're like oh it's a fucking monster let's kill it yeah 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 and it's a very like frankenstein type moment or or a very shrek type moment <laughs> they, they do the same thing as Shrek. of course because <laughs> he's an ogre and they think he's bad so they're just, to... there's no donkey in this story <laughs> it was just a cool scene anyway because he talks about going out to the snow to die yeah but mm-hmm. his body won't let him yep and it's just that's kind of further proof for like the further mutation yeah you know what i mean of of just he yeah. he can't then he comes across those people who kill just to kill yeah and then he kind of kind of renews his vigor to train and and learn well, all I, of the I, other weaponry he, art well, weaponry that. styles to in fight. the one panel it almost looks like he's trying to go like zen and just be completely peaceful Mm -hmm. when like it's him at like meditating in that garden or whatever it almost looks like he tried he like yeah he went like the opposite direction of okay rather than doing what we normally do of embracing all of this i'm gonna just try to get rid of it and Mm -hmm. it doesn't work for him yeah so that's what kind of then like the brothers start pestering him Mm -hmm. (laughs) actually i'm pretty sure they do in that panel don't they i don't remember i thought that was the guys the the no, because that was in the snow. Oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. But it was but, cool. But I... yeah, the the issue, I mean, through and through, it is definitely, I mean, it's bloody, but at the same time... Oh, no, you're right. It is there. It, it tells... He's, he's farming. Okay. It, it, it's... There's a lot of shock factor, but it's not just for the shock factor. It yeah. really adds to the story and adds dimensions to the story. So, I mean, honestly, the storytelling, in my opinion, of, of like this series so far, it's immaculate. It really is. The pacing is really good. Yes. It is leading you slowly enough to where you're engaged, but every issue at the very end leaves you absolutely wanting more. Mm-hmm. Actually, this is a part of the story I wouldn't mind learning more about. He's clearly in some, like, arena fighting. Oh, yeah. So he, <laughs> he rather than, like, he went, that's how he trained, is mm-hmm. he went somewhere and was just fighting a bunch of other, like, mutants and robots and who knows what else well that, i would love to yeah. learn more about what happened here well i oh god i don't remember i don't recall um i want to say it was in the michelangelo one shot that was originally uh published in like 1985 or 86 um he basically goes to or maybe it's it, it's it's a I'm, I'm thinking of a different story but there is a point where michelangelo goes to like mars and he becomes like a like no they have the the aliens there have not ever seen anything like him and he's put into like these arena battles where he ends up just all right wiping. planet hulk <laughs> yeah basically well they did it long before i know red hulk or before planet hulk I'm but um but yeah, he is. He's known as like this, like champion, legendary champion. Yeah, legendary well, alien because of the fact that he's whipping the floor with everybody. One, well, the, the reason I like this part is because it so. says to adapt to every challenge, every form of combat. So this yeah. is where he like he learned his all his brother's fighting yes, style, and that's why yeah, he, he carries learned, all the weapons. And this is why like I would really cool love to learn yep. more about like yeah. what happened here, who he fought, yeah. what he went they through during this moment. They could definitely dive deeper into because that, that would yep. be that'd be really cool. Because that's mm-hmm. basically that moment is what forged him into what he currently is in the comic. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. You said this is a five issue series. It's right? gonna be a five so issue series. So we're issue two yep. and yep. Raphael's dead, right? 
Do you think, or um, yeah, Raphael? They oh, they showed his death. death. Oh yeah. Do yeah, you mean think they're gonna go through and show each of the turns? I'm about to say, death? do you think the next one will be Leonardo and Don- oh, or yeah, Donatello, probably. and then yeah. the one after that will be the oh, other yeah. one, and then the fifth issue will be the conclusion? I think, you think so. They'll frame it I up think they'll. Way? I think they'll frame it up where at least they are going to show. Um, they're gonna show a history of how everybody died. I think even just in the next issue. Um, uh, preview art where it's basically the sword, like Leo's sword with, uh, with Casey Jones, Jones's mask. mask on there. Oh, then Leonardo. They're gonna, then they're going to dive into, okay, what That's happened right. to Leonardo and what happened to Casey? And they must have went down together. Yeah, they did. So something happened together with them, and now they're going to dive into yeah. what happened to them. Because they, they made mention when, when yeah. well, like, where's Raphael after he rushed off and, and Casey was like, let's go, Leonardo. We got to catch up to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that yeah. makes sense then. That makes, oh. And so this was the preview art for... Yeah number two so then you see this is Raphael strictly Raphael so it's like he's going to battle we're gonna find out what happens to him and sure enough in the first half of the story yeah. you find out what happened to him and then I bet you the issue after that will be the, ex- the explosion with Donatello yep. and I bet you it'll show how yeah. April lost her limbs and possibly how yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. interesting so I think interesting. so I think they're framing it they're they're framing it at a good a really good pace yeah and actually, one thing that um, I don't think you guys noted because I pointed oh, it out yeah, when it actually yeah, happened yeah. is um, the final page. Um, April pulls out from that safe. She pulls out that like whatever that it looked like an egg. You you said me. it looked like an egg, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's, it's well, I kind of mistook it for a metalhead's head. Yeah, and it's and it's a robotic head. Um, but those who don't know what that last um, see to me that was like a oh they're bringing him in and uh, it may have went over your guys's heads it may have went over somebody else's heads that's actually a robot an android robot called fugitoid my only concern with them bringing it in and i really hope this doesn't happen the fugitoids had the ability to travel through time i don't think they're gonna no i i don't think they're gonna make this a time i hope that they don't do a Oh, if we jump back in time and prevent this sort of thing, no. or open time and pull the turtles to the pres to the future, I just hope they avoid that pitfall. I am one hundred percent convinced they are not going to do that because <laughs> there has been a lot of issues with Terminator doing that, where they went back in time yeah. to try to prevent it from happening, but by going back in time to prevent it, they did exactly what happened to cause it. But you know, but you see, you can see why I kind of have gets, that. It gets so messy. I yeah, do not I think that they're going. I, to die That's why I just say I hope no. they don't fall. In. I don't think they will, no. but I hope they don't. This seems, that, this seems smarter than that. To the, me. Yeah. But that, that's always like one of those big pitfalls, especially when you introduce a character like that, where it's like now all of a sudden you could have, if you want to go the lazy way, you could have this potential time travel element. It's like. Eh. I will say this. This to me doesn't feel like it would fall into that pitfall. But then again, there have been other stories. Uh, Flashpoint didn't feel like they were going to do that, and then yeah. they did all of that stuff with the Flash. <laughs> so yeah, but that's that's DC. DC's trash. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it's a very common comic trope. Of course, it is because so, you can rectify anything with time travel. Yeah, but also set up so many other things with time travel. But yes, uh, any other thoughts on it? Um. Hold on one second. I'm I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to see where it goes. Me too. I'm. I'm. I, well, I wish these were coming out quicker. I know. I've actually know. been having that issue a lot lately because I've been reading other comics too. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um. So yeah. I. I don't know. I. I'm almost wondering if they'll touch on 
like some of the other stuff like there there's been nothing with like krang and what was it dimension x Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i'm almost wondering if maybe they'll do something to touch on them and why none of them um, are around what are they called the rock soldiers no what's what is the krang race called Oh, oh, uh, U-Trums. Uh, there yeah. we go. U-Trums. So I'm wondering, yeah. maybe they'll, they'll touch on why some of the other, like, Turtles villains aren't around anymore. Maybe. It'd be kind of cool well, to see, like, why, um, what's his, the rabbit? Um, oh, uh, Yosagi Yojimbo. That'd be kind yeah. of interesting to see, like, all of a sudden, like, him, if why he's no longer around. Well, they, they did say something about wiping out the, the mutants. mutants. So I mm-hmm. wonder if maybe the reason you don't see any is because they're all... Gone. gone well but also to Could the mutants be funny like not funny but good easter eggs for the background what they're what yeah. they're talking about with the mutants was the um the mutanimals right is yeah the mutanimals had a they're, they're actually they play a large part in the idw series mm, okay. they created them long ago yeah, but right, i mean right. um like uh ray fillet uh, I mean, like he's a mutanimal. He's 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 a uh, see a fish. He's, he's a what is that stingray? Yeah, <laughs> they call <laughs> him Ray Ray Filet. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cute. <laughs> but yeah, I'm so, I'm super into but it. But honestly, yeah, me, it's like I said, I I love the series so far. It's it's driving me nuts that the issues are like two months apart mm-hmm. instead of like one month. But at the same time, I understand that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. it's it's uh. It, it's a bigger issue. I mean, these are... I, I don't know if it's 48 pages or if it's even more than that. But, um, but I mean, yeah, there's a lot of material, so it makes sense why it takes two months to create versus versus one month. But every issue just leaves me wanting... More. More, more, yes. more. Especially when you look at this issue particularly, like, there was not a lot that happened. Oh, but he's we got... one of them. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but uh, what's his name? Oh, oh uh, uh, Leatherhead. Yeah. He's oh, not I, He's not really a mutanimal, though. Mm, not really. But, I mean, he could be construed as one, but he's not He's not part of the mutanimal's team because he's a bad guy. Mm. Yeah. Fucking Leatherhead. So he was on the cover with him. But, yeah. Mondo Gecko. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was. I remember the bat. <laughs> um, Wingnut. Wingnut, yeah. And then Screwloose was like the... Yeah, they did a three-issue miniseries, and then they had their own... Like spinoff series, ongoing series. He was apparently so. part of them at one point. Oh, look at that! Yeah, he was. Was he like a frenemy kind of thing? Maybe. Yeah, maybe he went good for. Uh, maybe for that after series. the turtles yeah. kicked his ass. Yeah, maybe that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just—it's funny. You look at it, like really, they don't go anywhere in this in this issue. Like there's, it's it's all in that in in the the old hideout. You know what yeah. I mean? So I mean, really, not a lot happens, but you get so but much. There's so much so backstory. So much happened. So much backstory that so is explained. Like, yeah, it's it's that's what I I'm kind of like marveling at is mm-hmm. is the fact that it's really didn't go anywhere, but we got so much out of it. Yeah. So well, and, and that impresses me. I to be like, honest, yep. I that's one thing I I do really like that comics don't kind of get enough credit for that sometimes is sometimes there is just amazing world building mm-hmm. really and is, this yeah. issue is basically nothing but but world building, building. Yeah. the past the present and then mm-hmm. alluding to where they're about to go but it never felt it never felt stale yeah it was not a slog to read yeah mm-hmm. like i feel yeah. like some comics you read them and you're just like jesus no. christ yeah, yeah no that's and yeah there's there's comics like that that it's just like oh my god will this thing end already well, and, and the other thing this is not one of them like they haven't really fallen into it or is the other thing is as you're reading you're going oh i've seen this before mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I never felt that with, the, no. with these so and far. I've, and I've read a lot of turtle stories, and I've never read anything like this before. 
Yeah, so. it's it's super cool to. Well, me. I mean, yeah. I've read other "I'm the Last of X" group type things before, but it's the frame somehow the framing in this one just feels different. Yeah, I was about to say it wasn't like Wolverine. I Days, would assume Days of Future Past and of stuff course. like oh, that. Yeah. Or, yeah, or the yeah with someone like Wolverine, it just it it seems stale because Wolverine is is essentially Marvel's Superman in the mm-hmm. way it feels. No, that's me. Hyperion. But like Duh. that's kind of what. The, so I mean, t- taking an uh, an all powerful character and making him the last. Well, it's like no shit. Of course he is. Because, uh, but like someone like Michelangelo, who, for all intents and purposes, is the weakest turtle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. For, yeah, you're in right. terms you're, of this, you're right. He's yeah. I mean, he's not the most intelligent. He's not the most brave. He's also not the most. He's not Physical, the strongest. Yeah. So it's like he's the outlier. Yeah. This. He is, was the untapped so potential for him. Yeah, he really, really is. Does. He's it the really potential does. for all three in one. Yeah, and that's that's like those kinds of stories I always gravitate towards is like yeah. the underdog kind of where he's he, literally the underdog. Yeah. Like like uh, 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 ordinary Joe thrust into a supernatural that's, situation. That's why yeah. like me saying Mikey's always been the audience surrogate. Is, yeah, he's the most relatable. Basically, a regular guy who gets thrown into yeah. extraordinary circumstances. Yeah, will always yeah will always pull people in. That's why like the Shin Megami yeah. games to me are so powerful is because you're just an average schmuck. Mm-hmm. You're not a soldier. You're not you're not a, a police officer. You're that not a always... combat trained this or that. You're you're just a regular dude. You are. That was actually and what, even then he's not very good as a cop. That's <laughs> always what pulled people into the Silent Hill games, and why people did not like the later games that were more combat mm-hmm. heavy because the games specifically made your protagonist just an everyday person who was doing something that was like in the first one. It was Harry Mason looking for his mm-hmm. daughter. He was just a dad who wanted his daughter back. Yeah. He wasn't an, a, a trained soldier. He wasn't somebody who had all these powers. You had uh, James Sunderland, who was just a grieving husband who lost his wife, who just wanted to find her again in Silent Hill. You had Heather Morris, who was mm-hmm. just a teenage girl who literally lost her father and just didn't want anything to do with this. So it's like you had characters that were not by any stretch of the imagination heroes or were anything more than what they were and they were thrown into an extraordinary circumstance and it's the same thing with michelangelo yeah Yeah. it feels relatable he's been he's been the uh the the party dude who life is not a party anymore and life has really beat him down and has been trying to keep him down but now he's found strength to keep going and has something to fight for um, in taking out the last of the Oroku mm-hmm. uh, line. And so, honestly, it's just, oh, God, it just leaves me wanting more. And, and I find that when I finish, like, each issue, one and two, it's like a good movie where it's just like you keep praying, like, oh, no, please don't let it end here. Please don't, don't let it. it end here. And then it ends, and you're just like, damn it, i got to wait again. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of how I feel, too. Yeah. And that, that takes something... I'll tell you, mm-hmm. it's like something special for me. Oh, yeah. No, it's... <laughs> yeah. And to be able to read through a 48-page comic where it doesn't feel it like doesn't it's feel dragging like... on, it doesn't feel like it's 48 pages, and it leaves you wanting more, that's a special comic that's in my good. eyes. Yeah. This is one I almost wouldn't mind, even even though I have all... I'll get all the individual issues. Like, I'm sure they'll do, like... Oh, they'll do a omnibus. collected. Yeah, they'll do a collected. Yeah, yeah I would love to get that. Yeah. Yeah. 
because this is this is badass. Like, yeah, I'm I'm well this still is, thoroughly impressed. This is one that it's like I'm even going back to um, like what they'll do is they'll do they'll release like second prints and third prints and and stuff like the uh, number two is gonna get a second print. I'm finding myself even wanting to get the second print oh, just for, for the, the alternate just, covers. Just for the alternate covers. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. So. That'll do it then for the the last Ro- or the last Ronin issue two. Yeah. So let us know what you guys think. Have you been reading the last Ronin? Are you excited about it? Um, do you have any theories or any kind of suspicions of what's going to happen or yeah. what we haven't been told that you think is going to happen? So let us know. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll be back when the when last Ronin last number three comes out. Yes. Sweet. Yes, we will. Rolling, 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 What? What? I'm rolling full circle, boys. <laughs> you suck.